if you're just walking through a park with netting on your face, people must have thought you were like keeping bees or something. <laughs> I was like, I need to get this net thicker so people can't recognize me. And then I suddenly had this idea and I'm like, why am I just dressed like this for the run? I should look like this always. <laughs> yeah, man. I should always be in a beekeeper's suit so that when I go to Coles, no one recognizes me. They can't say, oh, Andrew, how's it going? How's the divorce going? They're just like, who the fuck is that beekeeper that seems to be eating cheese from the dairy aisle and shoving it up the netting? You can't do that, sir. Your laws don't apply to me. I'm Beeman. <laughs> Welcome to your life. There's no turning back. Even while we we will find you acting on your best behavior. Turn your back on Mother Nature. Everybody wants to rule the world. Who has wronged you today, brother? I bought so much wiring for the earpiece, it was the only thing missing. Wow, look at you, relaxed. First, look how long it is. Look, it just never ends. Leaning back, brother. Oh, dude, the thing is, um, I think what is such a big comeuppance is um, we record all these things. It's mm. like in a delirium. You don't know what's going on, just week in, week out. Yeah. But then I think when you come to try clip them up for uh, Instagram, you realise that there's not much there. Do you know what I mean? Like, you send me a file, it's 15 gigabytes, the most unwielding fucking bullshit. 15 gigabytes, it makes my computer operate like it's from the 1930s, like an old uh, nana. Like one of those ah. IBM machines that they use yeah, to yeah, process yeah, the Jews at Auschwitz. 200%, it's like one of those line bit printers, and I print out the image, and all I see is a picture of us, and it's like, Master Chef, and I'm like... <laughs> And then you, you upload it into CapCut, that takes an hour. Then you get one bit about Master Parker and you upload it. You look an hour later, 50 views. And you're like, what are we doing? What are we doing, dude? I would be better off to get a pamphlet delivery job <laughs> and at least have metrics where I could see that I'm improving. I'm like, well, I did 100 pamphlets yesterday and I did 101. We... Uh, so far in the void, so far in the asshole of obscurity that it's insane. It's literally, there's no option. Why don't we spend, if, I, if we spent this much time focusing on a real estate business, strategizing where we could do door-to-door knocking, what areas come up, maybe we could get some leases, get some rental properties. We'd be better off, this should be a fucking sales call. To say, hey, I've looked at Armadale. Let's go and do some door knocking in Armadale. There's lots of opportunities there to sell houses and buy bed sits. Yeah, but you and me are like the Saturday uh, like paper delivery boys chucking all of them in the skip behind the supermarket. Oh, dude, that's what I did. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I binned them all. Do you know what's funny is, um, you know what I've realized in life? Yeah. The bit, the obstacle... To your success, it's always the same thing. Work. Whenever anything's easy, it's fine. When you just sit here and you lie back in a seat and go like, yes, I was on the trains, what are trains? But as soon as you go, okay, 
<laughs> now what are you going to do with that? And you go, okay, well, I have to download 15 gigs, try cut it up. I'm going to learn how to use cut, cut. I'm like, well, this sucks. It's the same with stand-up. They've, I've got a gig this weekend, beer festival. I arrive there, free beers. But the bit I don't like is, oh, for 20 minutes I have to go and talk and I need words to say. I'm like, well, that doesn't, that sucks. I like the bit where they give me hot dogs. They go, look, excited to see you act. I can't see, can't wait to see your little act. They give me a beer. Do you know what I mean? The favourite part of any gig is before they've seen you, where it's all anticipation. Everything's possible. It might be a new Robin Williams but the truth is, it's not because you haven't done any work and you're not talented. And then there's the after bit, which has happened to me a lot, where the the, the bar stops serving you. <laughs> happened to me a few weeks ago. I think you've had I think you've had enough drinks for what you did. Do you think this worker version is sort of like it, it's informed your uh, your brokering career, like the idea of not really having to do oh. anything, but you log on to fucking Macquarie. And you're like, yeah, I'll just put it. I'll put it all in here, and yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah, the yeah, totally. And and then obviously we had TG Six, which is sending me insane <laughs> because we heard it the last live pod, and it was like thirty two to forty cents, and you could hear my distress, yeah, because I'd been fucking podcasting to twelve people, and I was like, what? Oh wait, I've got to get, it. I've got to go, man. I've got to work out what I'm going to do here, and that's how we left it. Obviously went to a dollar twenty. Could have saved my whole life. It's at 76 cents now. Like, it's, it's the arse has dropped out of it. Well, it's good because the cap raise has to come at some point. I was going to say, has the, has the cap raise come yet? Not yet. And and um, people have been buying internally at much, very high prices. And I'm like, but it, there's no victory there, right? Because mm. even now that it's gone from 30 cents to $1.20, the gambling boys win. Do you know, even if I get proven right and there's a cap raise, yeah. I'm like, well, the, the the upside of that stock is gone. You need to stop looking at it because it's now it's become like a, it's become an albatross, man. It's become another ticker that you'll forever look at. And no matter what it does, oh, yeah. it, if it goes up, you'll be like, what the fuck? Why didn't I buy? Yeah, yeah. And if it goes down, you'll be like, I should, like, I should have bought it earlier, but I told you this was going to fucking happen. Dude, it's sort of like, um, they're single use. It's a bit like a condom. Like the, the the excitement of that stock is gone now. It's exploded. Man, are they single use? No, as in I'm saying it's exploded. Like it's ejaculated. No, condoms. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah man. <laughs> that was the standard. I've seen comedians do that on stage. <laughs> yeah, of course. I didn't realise they're single use. I wash them. I wash. I roll them back up. The hardest thing is getting them back in the package. Oh, and mum's weird about me hanging them out. At least I'm hanging them up. I don't do that with my jocks to dry them out. I remember that was the, cl- the classic. It was in Zimbabwe or something. They had a safe sex campaign. And someone at the last minute thought after that they should have an information brochure. So they stapled it. They stapled <laughs> Explaining how to get them on their massive decks to stop the spread of HIV. And that, that staple punctured it and, and caused AIDS to be very much like those um, blankets that had pneumonia in it. What were they called? The, the fucking scurvy blanket. What was the blanket that wiped out all of Like South the smallpox blankets. Yeah, the smallpox blanket. Yeah. Where, where they handed out and didn't realise that the guys packaging the blankets had smallpox <laughs> and wiped out the whole, the whole Well, yeah, man, because like the sickly guy is the one who can't be doing anything else. He needs to be packing up the blankets. 
Oh. <laughs> he's he's not able to. You don't want him cooking the food. You can't bring him with you. He's slowing the whole gang oh, down. So he stays at home, packs up the blanket. There's so many well-meaning um, acts. Do you know? I think that's that's what happens in life. There's so many where you think you're doing the right thing, but you're actually destructive. Mm. I think that's most of these um, virtue signals. The way they get involved in everything. I'm like, I don't think you're helping. Mm. Because no, I think like white white women are the they're the big cultural appropriators. They're the ones the all seeing, all knowing eyes. I think they're the trigger of most of conflict. Just getting involved because they're bored and they need an activity. You know, they need an argument, and they're just just not letting things sit. They're the ones always swilling up the pool. Otherwise, it just sit because people are working too hard. No one has a chance to address anything. It's only that the, the white. Unemployed, uh, the, 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 the stay at home that's in there going, poking, poking, and, and getting race relations at fever pitch levels by doing <laughs> runs and going, he shouldn't talk to you like that. I'm like, just chill, dude. We get some croissants, we have a nice little ride. We don't know about any national ethnic shit. We're just all having a picnic. Virtue signaling feels good. It feels good to have the moral high ground. So if you have. If you have some kind of vague progressive view and then you see yeah. someone else doing something that's a bit shit, that's the perfect time for you to go, oh, actually, I wouldn't do that. That's actually bad. But what I'm saying is they're, they're the trick. They're the catalyst. They're, they're the, the acid in the water because they go up to the people that have got the bad situation and go, oh, my God, are you letting them? I would not let my. I would not let anyone talk to you like that. And they go, really? And they go, like, this is awful. And they're like, we like him. He seems all right. It's not on. And then suddenly they're revved up, going like, "Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit." And I'm like, it's just that idle brain looking for chaos, looking for collision. Are you suggesting that like, he's suggesting white women have done the most for, uh, for, like, I don't know. Civil rights for, I think, for I minorities, think, for instance. I think they're basically the catalyst. When you drill back down and you realise, oh, look, it wasn't a great situation, but it was just working and people were getting on with it. It's only them that sort of pull away the Band-Aid and trigger the, the, the chaos and the storm. And then you have a week, a month of strikes and fighting. Then they all hug and go, look, yeah, I was wrong. You were wrong. Let's just get the factory back operating again. I don't know what came over me. But when you look back, it's always a lady in a car park whispering to either side's ears <laughs> because they're bored. <laughs> and going like, he should not talk to you that way. And you're like, really? He seems like, but he saved my family. But, well, not as well as I would have. And then they just disappear into the night. They're basically... The catalyst. Unsure. They're in there causing arguments and they do it. You can see it because they do it in their friend group. <laughs> do you see the way Susie was talking to Mick? She's flirting with your husband. She's wearing a low cut top and she's flirting. Did you see what Susie did with Mick? She's flirting with your husband. She's what? I thought they were just friends. I don't think so. And then they're like, you motherfucking bitch. Come here, Susie. They're fighting. And then it resolves and eventually it always settles to equilibrium. It's always, look, sorry, Susie, I don't know what came over me. And I'm like, I know what came over you. Karen whispering. No, man, there's no, there's no apology, dude. You've got, you have two, you have two races fighting. 
there's, mm. they're throwing Molotov cocktails. It's rioting. It's it's gone nuts. No one's really sure why, but it is it is uh, it is the Karen. Yeah, she's since moved on though. She's on the internet. She's complaining about Dude, something and, else. And she will, ga- she will gaslight you. Cadbury chocolate, the size is too small now. They keep reducing the size of the blocks. Dude, <laughs> dude. anyway, she will gaslight you because when you come back and go, obviously you triggered the whole Susie argument. She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I never, said, never anything said anything, anything about, about Susie. About Susie. I haven't talked to Susie in months. <laughs> I've never even mentioned. I've never met Susie. <laughs> What are you going on about? <laughs> oh, dude, I was thinking, I just had a, oh, yeah, you know what I was saying with, this is what the the two fundamental truths are, like, <laughs> one, accents. We finally got it. Accents prove racism because even in white countries, people sound different because they go, they're not like us. But I think the fundamental truth of why wait, wait, what do you mean? Be, what do you mean? What do you mean? What I'm saying just in Wales... In Wales, there's divisions. So over the hill, one person speaks different to another group yeah. of people and they won't even cross the we- the well. But what I think fundamentally proves why there's always going to be disparities between people is the fact that at high school, you sit in groups. Like, why do you sit with your friends? You should sit with everyone. We should be more inclusive. I've why? Are- <laughs> no, but what I'm saying to you, if you want, if you want um, utopia... You should sit with everyone at school. Why are they little breakaway groups? It's disgusting. It's not inclusive. They shouldn't be computer groups and sports groups. They should all hang together. What I'm saying is just even at a micro level, I went to, to drop my lunches off at my boy, uh, some tuna sandwich uh, uh, that had been left in the sun, and I dropped it <laughs> off. And I yelled because they were at date. It was sort of like the kids' group, and they're all um, sitting on different mats in the, with the people that they preferred. Mm. And I, I basically went straight up to the teacher and was infuriated and going, this is how it starts. This is the beginning of race relations. Everyone must be holding hands in a circle. I'm like, you cannot have these fractures, <laughs> fracturous sort of setups. Why is that those three fatter boys not included with the three skinnier boys? Why is that the girl with the kid with braces do you know what I mean? You can mm. see it already. The ins- insidious, or whatever the word is. Yeah, insidious is a good. That's a good word. Nature of human beings. But what what I'm saying to you is, there's a sadness even there. Hey, <laughs> what are you doing? You're sitting with your friend group. The fact that you have a birthday party and you don't invite the whole school already shows how cruel you are as a human being. The, the fact that your mum and dad are complicit, and this is only because my um. Son's been left out of a few birthday <laughs> invites. But what I'm saying to you is... Like, Eating all the cake. Do you not see the nastiness of it? When you organise a birthday, everyone wants cake. And cake's not expensive, but you pick the eight favourite people from the age group that come and hang out. Pick all of them. Pick that boy on the spectrum that can count matches. Is there any sense of community? Is there any sense of community without exclusion? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's the exclusion that, that brings you together. It's the bullying. Because whatever the size of the group, if it's 100 people or it's 10 or it's millions, like the, the fractures are there for, for each of them, right? Yeah. So for 10 people, it's half of them like uh, they like p- deep dish pizza and the other half like thin crust. Oh, yeah, de- definitely, dude. It, it's the hottest chick in the room theory, like – that wherever you are, you'll find someone 
you know, uh, someone to infatuate about, or you'll find like a friend. In every scenario, you'll find someone to hate, someone to love, someone that you're friends with, no matter what. And you can just change the group and the standard can lower, but you'll still find the love of your life, a best friend and an enemy in, in a, a group of 10, a group of 100. You can be in Sri Lanka, you can be in Pakistan. You're always going to find the love of your life, a best friend and an enemy in every scenario. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that your best friend uh, and, and your soulmate uh, always so close to where you were born and raised. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild, man. It's so fortunate. <laughs> you see it in prisons because they always, um, eventually they find the love of their life, which is another man in their cell that they're sucking off every night. <laughs> 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 Human beings do it every fucking time. And what I was saying to you is people are complicit. We're adults. We're aware of it. Do you know that it's very mean to when you're at a school of 30 kids is to pick 14 or 15 and say that you don't have the budget for the other 15. The joy of the birthday is coming from your little turd son handing out the 15 invites as everyone goes into class and then feeling the the rush when he watches the other 15 that weren't invited (laughs) have a bad day. Do you know what I mean? Don't you think it's crazy that uh, that Andy Dufresne didn't try and get out of Shawshank until after he stopped being raped? Mate, no, but it took him a long time to build that tunnel. No, no, he didn't start digging until after, man. <laughs> it was, that was it. <laughs> that was when he decided he needed to leave when his friends were gone. <laughs> Dude, I think what was, like, that tunnel was just a metaphor for him. He started to eat ass in the, <laughs> you think eating the, ass in the prison. You think the tunnel was a metaphor for him coming to terms with his own sexuality? Yeah, yeah coming, and basically... <laughs> It was basically every time he was in the tunnel is him actually being tunneled or tunneled. He never left the prison. That was him going to a safe place. No, dude, he did escape the prison, the prison that he had built inside himself, man. Oh, dude, that would be such a good if it was Fight Club and then they go, come on, Andy, come on. And it's also like the end of Blow and they were like, come out, come out from your tunnel. And the tunnel is actually just a metaphor for being raped. He's in the tunnel. And then it's like, yeah, you never left. You never left. That would be, I would put, I always like, I don't like the happy endings. I would like that you have the happy ending and then you leave it with a little twist because I'm nasty. <laughs> that it is him just imagining him being on an island and you just see him getting uh, gang raped. And that's, that's a much better movie for me. Where you go, oh, did you love the twist? After the credits, where they show like, no, yeah, mate. Post-credit scene for Shawshank Redemption. And then you, you wait and it's like Mario and you're like, oh, it's him waking up and he's actually still in the prison bed. And it's just him. him. Oh, dude, that's, it's fun to have those little, um, what are they called? Christmas presents or what are they fucking called? Easter eggs. <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> Christmas present, but man, like uh, what you were saying before in uh, in the classroom, yeah, you've got you've got all the all the groups, yeah. but then when you expanded the school, suddenly though their classroom, even if they're not being in, even if Thornton's not invited to the birthday party, when it comes to fucking uh, sports day or whatever, yeah, they're cheering on each other in the it's his classroom against the other classrooms, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then. It's his school against the other school. Dude, and then that's what I'm saying. It's a grassroots level. I think at the beginning, if you want this inclusive society, it's you should not have birthday party. You should not have friend groups. You should not allow it. But what I'm saying is, is there 
a society without an external society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I'm saying, but that that's what I'm pushing for. That no splintering ever. You stay inclusive always. You can't have fucking different groups in your your age group. It's disgusting. Everyone's a human being and deserves love and compassion. Of course. And the fact that you've got three of you running off and climbing a tree and the third one with a kick me sign on the back uh, running around because he's, he's been given some sort of fucking battery acid in his, in his drink or there's, <laughs> there's pranks and stuff going on. I'm like, yeah, learn compassion and love for everyone in, in your microcosm. No one's even doing it in their microcosm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying you. is I'm saying the housewife is bullying every day. And then she's saying, oh, racism and exclusion. And I'm like, you're lying and saying that Susie's trying to suck off Mikey, uh, who's Jenny's, Jenny's husband. And I'm like, you're being fucking disgusting. You're doing, you're perpetuating what the, the source code of racism on a daily basis. I see you all doing it. I see all these people sharing the virus that is humanity. I see that virus in action. Do you know what I mean? And that's the fundamental coding error mm. that leads to all of this. Fix the coding yeah. on, a, yeah. on, a, on a, a base level. I guess what I'm... Is there a... Is, is the best bit of the birthday party not the act of handing out the invitations, but the act of not handing out the invitations to the other 15? Oh, 100%. 100%. Which means that there's no solution. Which It's, it's basically yeah. you can't have a good time unless someone else is having a bad time. Yes, and that is the, the fundamental flaw of this entire simulation, is the core, the value of the birthday ticket is the exclusion, exclusivity yeah. of it, yeah. the fact that people have been excluded. Otherwise, if everyone's going to time zone and getting cake, guess what? It sucks and no one wants to go. <laughs> the real value comes in. It's Monday morning when you're at school and you're talking about how fucking sick time zone was. In front of Gary, and Gary's yeah, upset. Yeah, in front of another person, and and the moment when you get home and put it on your pin board next to your little photo of a jet ski or whatever the fuck you're aiming for, and you go, yes, eight invites, and I was one of them. <laughs> fuck that fat cat. I've been bullying him for years, and guess what? Last year, Jamie was Jamie was invited, and now I am because I told everyone that Jamie had been stealing lunches. I made it up. All my dastardly pants were come to roost. Ah. But what I'm, what I'm saying is the, the, the group dynamics of the, the white woman housewife group uh, express all the things they're trying to fix. All, all, the, all that ails them exists in their microcosm. They operate all the things that they parade about fixing are operated in their group of eight ladies. Everything that exclusion, nastiness, bullying, everything that they talk about and they've got science going, stop the nastiness, stop the nastiness. They will laugh, burst into laughter when uh, Cheryl comes in with a, a handbag that's not the right brand. <laughs> Look at that! I'm literally crying. I'm literally. She got the crops from Big Dub. I'm literally crying. They look like them, but they're, they're like Downs version. They look all bigger. <laughs> look at it. No, come, Cheryl. Let me get a photo. No, they're not pulling you. Let me get a photo of you walking. Parade these. <laughs> look at that. Green mocks. 
What does it say on the bottom? Marks. Listen, look, look, <laughs> Stacey, look. It says fucking marks. <laughs> That's what they do. Unbelievable that they then will then go to a rally for Israel Palestine. On the way there, they're, they're teasing and bullying and poking and prodding. It's insane to me the the hypocrisy of the human being. Well, there's not yeah, there's no um, it's like the requirement for division is innate. Things need yeah. to be segmented so that you can support uh, support a side, pick a winner, pick a loser. Yeah. If Israel invites Palestine to the birthday party, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. What we need is an external threat, though. That's what was nice about uh, about COVID is that there was for a brief period of time there was an external threat. Yeah, it brings you together, dude. No one was worried about the Gaza or bombings or anything like that. It was everyone was one, and we were all united against the disgusting germ. It's like the that we've done this premise a few times about the proximity of. Like, you, you'll help a homeless guy because you don't have the story, but then you won't help your your meth-affected relative because you know that he screwed people over. Yeah, but this is like, even, like, this is, like, the the size of the... Of the uh, of the of the group, I suppose, and then the division. Like, we need something that's bigger than the, like, world, bigger than country to be angry at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Ronald, Re- it's Ronald Reagan, the alien invasion theory. Mm. If we got invaded by... Aliens overnight, suddenly we wouldn't have the cold wall anymore, would we? Because we have those slimy little beasts coming with guns at us. That would be a bigger problem. But it is that that dissociative sort of mindset because it was like, it's the same way that I see it. We've done it. Like people go on Ancestry.com to try find like a candlestick maker from the 1600s. And I'm like, they haven't even visited their nan for two months. Their, Their living relative... They haven't rung to see what Nan's doing. Two suburbs over who has arthritis, but then they're, they're paying large amount of money to try connect with the 1600s candlestick maker. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's odd to me. Yeah, well, you can't virtue signal uh, with your Nan because your Nan was just some lady who benefited from being white and privileged and everything went her way. But you can, you can virtue signal when you find out that your great, 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 uncle was uh was half filipino and you're like we were oppressed we were oppressed in the philippines that's my group oh that's that's where i suffered that's what they're all doing is fishing for relevance that that, that's what's amazing that's what ancestry.com is is in a a last ditched effort to fish for some sort of relevance you might find napoleon 15 generations back and then try to take credit for it (laughs) and go well there isn't there's an element of legacy here. The family has achieved. All I love it when people come up empty. Most Australians come up just with a, a rapist convict about five back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they go, look, well, whatever, ancestry.com's bullshit. You don't know what's you don't know if it's accurate. I still think the, the favorite of the DNA thing ever was um Patrice O'Neill's bit about why he didn't litter, because he would end up being um pulled in. Do you know oh, like the DNA? Yeah. He'd be accused of any crime. He goes, I throw a can and then a, a month later a white woman's raped in those bushes. <laughs> I'm going to jail. <laughs> it is actually pretty funny that you're, you're effectively throwing potential DNA evidence everywhere. It feels like for a lot of Australians that uh, there's a like, a, a like a narrative around the um, uh, convict ancestor thing. Yeah. My ancestors were persecuted and 
in England and sent off to 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 live on the prison colony. Oh, dude, it's it's all it's all sanitized and Disney-fied. Yeah, he did not. He was stealing. They were stealing bread for their families. But then the truth is, really, dude, there's nothing romantic about it at all. Dude, it's a, it's the same thing like that you have in the prison for, uh, walls. Right, everyone was falsely accused. What actually happened is there was probably three or four poor bastards that did just steal a loaf of bread, but I can guarantee ninety-eight percent of the people that live in Australia were hardcore rape slash murderers <laughs> that were despicable. <laughs> that idea that oh, it's Disneyfied. He all he done. A little fucking. Um, you know what people think, man? It's they think of Aladdin at the beginning of the film. When he steals the bread. Yeah, yeah, dude. But dude, what about the guy who spent all morning baking their fucking bread, man? All they imagine, everyone in Australia imagines Oliver Twist. Yeah, yeah, Oliver, Oliver, (laughs) never the train with me. But the truth is, that guy, Fagan, that ran it all, that's your ancestor. (laughs) The guy that's raping the kids and teaching them to be shoplifters. (laughs) That's your real ancestor. Don't be Oliver Twist. Oliver, Oliver. And then they've all got... They've, they've cleansed their history. The reality is they're, they're the product of crimes, of rapes. They rape children Jesus and murder Christ. children. This whole thing is like fucking Lord of the Flies. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Do you know, if you, if you look at any of the history, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Forget saying sorry to the Indigenous people. Everyone should just be hanging themselves and, and paying <laughs> penance for the crimes. Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't be alive. You don't get to cleanse yourself. You should actually take a gun in your head and say, this is for what my fucking great-grand did on those dunes. <laughs> Bang! It ends now. The suffering ends now. We don't get to cleanse. We're, we're the, the, rape babies. <laughs> the whole of Australia is a rape baby? Really? Am I wrong? Now, I think we're all, we're all rape babies if we go back far enough. If you look at Australia and then it's all Oliver Twist. Oh, they were in there, weren't they? And he could sing like an angel and he should have had a musical made about him. They were actually all scratching on those boats, shoving people to the ground, pushing them, raping them, throwing them off the side. I mean, if you could, I wish they had documentary evidence. That would be the greatest if, you, if they had footage of, of your great-great-granddad. And you'd be like, oh, my God, I can feel the evil through the camera. Get it. Do you know what I mean? Imagine how despicable most of Australia was when they arrived. Well, if you think that like 8% of, uh, of Asian people are descended from Genghis Khan. Oh, no. With, like oh, the no. most... The most evil, just the fucking, the, like the biggest, strongest motherfucker. That was it. The so only metrics evil, for success. Then what's the likelihood that if you go back to the same time period in your family tree, you're not also yeah, descended yeah, yeah, yeah. from a fucking criminal? Dude, you have to question yourself. People get upset about it. You have to question yourself that you, your family happens to be the clean hands, the clean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what fucking... What, what uh, massaging of the past. <laughs> I have never met an Australian that isn't semi-proud of their ancestor. Yeah, it, I've never met an Australian who's been like, yeah, my great-great-great-grandfather, uh, he, uh, he, burned down a, he burned down a school. Oh, uh, yeah. He was mentally unwell. It's very rare. Then they shipped him over here and uh, it was a whole thing and uh, he, was sort of, he was sort of retarded. He had like a 74 IQ. They never say, they never say hey, <laughs> we, were spawned, we were spawned from a monster. 
monster. We <laughs> thought Hitler was bad. You should have seen the diaries we found from my great grand. If my great granddaddy had access to more power, oh, Hitler would have been running terrified from him. We found his diaries and they just basically documented where bodies were buried. <laughs> just written in shit. Just the psychotic, oh. shit written ramblings of a lunatic. Man, it is. Everything sanitized for your, your your consumption and ability to just get on with life. Mm. Nothing's cleared up for you. There's so much nasty, and that's what I'm saying to you. You see the hints of it. You see when they all laugh when uh, Stacy arrives with her new permed hair and she's got a bad dye job, and they're giggling and they giggle all night on their white wine. They're out having lunch. They laugh. They all laugh. I see them. They laugh when Jeff loses his job. Not to Stacey's face, but they can't stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) They're selling the fucking... They're selling the house with the tennis court. No way. Are you fucking serious? Yes. Two months in there. They'd renovated. I hear them. You know why? Because you don't hear it face to face, but you hear them if you listen Mm. when you're walking around. I listen all the time when you're at restaurants and you hear people talking about people that aren't there, which is what most of the combo is. That's why you've got to always ears drop. Whenever you listen, every time, even walking to get my coffee then, three gossips, one girl talking about her counselling, and I th- no, I think she was talking about her friend that was getting marriage counselling. Overhear it. A complete betrayal of trust happening just casually on a fucking Friday morning as she has a latte. No fucking qualms from her. Basically getting, getting me- um, momentum socially mm. using someone else's pain. There she was. There she was. And I'm like, ask yourself how often you do it. Everyone does it. They're in there feasting on failure. That's all anyone is. Loving it. Of course, because it's, not, it's, all, it's all relative. All you can do to appear taller is cut the legs of someone else. And you know how you can feel how bad you are? Is watch the impulse when you get hot goss that it's actually really bad about someone, how quickly you need to share that to elevate your social position. How you basically have a smoker's urge to go like, we need to wind up this lunch right now because I need to do some long calls. I've got to do some voice chats. Motherfucker, you're telling me he's a homosexual? That all makes sense. I can't wait to ring. You're ringing people going, pick up the phone, you need this. Do you know, I see it all the time, the, 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 the ripples that are created with gossip. Man, it's like it's, uh, the same rhetoric that people who go to Southeast Asian countries use. Like, yeah, man, over there, I'm fucking rich. I'm tall. Yeah, I've yeah, got a yeah. huge dick. Everyone thinks I'm fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. No yeah. one knows that I've got an awful personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the language barrier and oh. I look kind of foreign, which is exciting. Man, but that's all it is. It's finding a place that you feel like you... You're are. king. <laughs> and that's what happens every holiday. Because you go out and go, ah, oh, mate, I was picking up every night. I'm like, yeah, because you were in squalor. You're in a hostel. You're staying in the lowest <laughs> socioeconomic area. If yeah. you go in Perth and go to the real rough areas, <laughs> you too can get your dick sucked in an alleyway <laughs> by someone on welfare. Yeah, we can all go pegging, man. You know what I mean? We can all slum it. And you go, she talked a bit rough. 
and you're like, oh, I think it was the Irish accent. It's not. She's, <laughs> she's Eliza Doolittle. You're basically Jack the Ripper handing grapes out a window. Man, that's not that's not an accent, man. Like she's inebriated. She is on drugs. She's an addict. <laughs> yeah, that's a meth addict. No, that's an Irish accent. <laughs> I think you're big to dinner. And they come back and they're going, I'm getting sex every night. And I'm like, yeah, you're Jack the Ripper with grapes. Pulling <laughs> prostitutes into your van. I'm like, there's nothing fucking... And because of the, the accent and the cultural difference, you're unaware that you're in squalor. Oh, you're, yeah. you're going, it was a bit weird that the morning after I saw her shitting in a bucket and throwing it out the side of a caravan. <laughs> I think that's how Romanian population live. I think they all live. Roasting a, a stray cat for dinner. I mean, that. ooh, a delicacy. What are you doing there with that? What sort of animal is that? That's a stray dog being put on a, a stick. <laughs> Ooh, a Romanian delicacy. And then you write in your diary, like, you know, like you're that, um, who's that guy that topped himself? Anthony Bourdain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, a succulent. We, we, we suckled on the, the roast of the, a, a beautiful pheasant, we believe, <laughs> and a white wine to chase it off. He was quite good, dude. With his poetry. Dude, Anthony Bourdain is the best, man. Great book, great, so many great series, the best shows. You know what his value was? He did the work because he's a drug addict and then basically he made the documentaries. But rather than do what most people would do, right, is just get filmed and just hope to stumble on stuff. He obviously was crowbarring in his journal into his words because it was very well written. Well, I, th- I think he was also a person who was genuinely interested in the other people and the places that he was going. But you know when he would sum it up, Hong Kong, and he would, I'm like, no one talks like that. He had obviously written and slaved over the, the, <coughs> the word selection that he had because it was just two word perfect because it's very rare, even when you meet celebrities in com- comedy world, like it's very rare that they live up to their act. Oh, They're yeah. always fucking disappointing. Yeah. You're like, oh, God. I'm sure if you met Ricky Gervais, you'd be like, oh, God, he just farted and said, whatever. It's a show about an office. Fuck up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever met a celebrity that's matched their product that they're selling. Like, it's always disappointing. Yeah, because it's insane to be on all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're on all the time, which is what something that people kind of can't believe when they meet you. It's like, like, oh, shit, that, like, he is like that 24-7. Yeah, well, man. Which is good. Like, that's great. It's very very genuine. No, but you know what people say? People say, oh, why are you like that? Because it is inhospitable. Like, you can't have friends or ever have any meaningful relationships like this. (laughs) But I don't want them. Because I've met everyone and I overhear their convos and you're like, I don't want to be trapped in one of your cliche experiences, so I don't give a fuck. I literally, and they go like, don't you want to just be more like sincere and build a meaningless relationship. I'm like, I'm just sick of your chat. I'm literally will kill someone if I have to talk to them. You can whittle through the thousands and thousands of people until you find what you really want and need, which is a... An audience. What what a difficult sort of long distance connection with one other man who's also sad. So you can do a podcast together. Dude, and that's what we do. And that sums it up. It is a bit like that because I get advice like 
People were saying, why are you yelling all the time? And I'm like... <laughs> Man, that's not advice, dude. You don't describe that as advice. That yeah, gives them... Yeah, that, no, I mean, I mean, like, that gives them too much. Like, people people, people say shit things and they're very critical. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, really they're, not, they're not genuinely interested in your well-being when they're like, oh, he's loud. <laughs> they're, they're so shocked because they're like... Because uh, humans are a herd animal, they're always trying to uh, foster a herd. Mm. And they're just so confused that I I have no interest in... Like, they're trying to give me honest advice to try (laughs) and get me invited to the birthday party. And they're like, dude... There's lots about you we don't mind. If you could chill out this bit, this bit, you're going to get some cake. You're going to get some invites. And I'm like, I actively chose to fuck her off. I don't care. I don't want cake. I want money and I don't want to be at your fucking bowling day. I don't care about your fucking party, cunt. It's the assumption that you are missing out in some way or that uh, you, you, you're... Your desired outcome is the same as their desired outcome. Dude, and it's, it's Ghost of Christmas Past. They're in there and they're like, we've spoken to Andrew. They're all sitting around at a table having a roast, but they don't realise that my joy comes from banging on that window like a homeless man and exposing my dick to them and then running off. My joy becomes by dis- derailing their groups to try to be annoying to be a, a thorn in their, everyone's side. They, they keep giving me advice to try to get me included and go, like, just get your hair cut, act more normal. And I'm like, dude, you don't realise my rush comes from seeing you at your birthday party as you're cutting the cake, banging on the glass with a foam mouth and exposing an erect dick and yelling, <laughs> to infinity and beyond! And they're going, what is wrong with him? He's so grubby. <laughs> and that's where I'm getting my, t- uh, my, 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 my satiation of being like the black sheep. Mm. The black sheep is actually the wolf. That's the <laughs> joke of it all. There is no black sheep. The sheep are dumb cunts. The black sheep is ultimately a wolf. The sheep never work out that it's a wolf devouring them all, going like, stay away from that black sheep. Yeah, no shit, it's a fucking wolf, you dumb fuck. It's not a sheep. It has no inclination to being in a herd because it gets. I get repulsed by conversations. They actually make me angry. I detest people's... Feelings and interactions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> the predictable nature. I just feel upset by that. That that is either hilarious or infuriates me. I also screen every phone call and don't leave the house, man. Oh, why, why would you answer your phone? <laughs> I don't answer my phone now. I'm like, how dare you not at least give me some indication with a message what this relates to? Absolutely, absolutely. Send a fucking text or hey, can I call? Uh, do we, 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 we live in this generation. First thing you do is you text a message that gives them a slight, some indication about what it, what it, it relates to. You beg, at that point you I, beg for a ch- opportunity and for permission to call the phone. Yeah, and I'll say, look, your personality alone does not have me invested. I don't give a fuck that you found out someone's gay or that Cheryl's cheating on her husband. I don't care. Give me some sort of Man, that's the same person, dude. <laughs> that's Cheryl's, Cheryl's gay. <laughs> but I'm like, if you think I'm going to take potluck on a phone call with another <laughs> human being, you're insane. <laughs> so I'm just going to randomly trust that your, your decision to ring me is valid? No. 
You give me some idea so that I can work out whether I get trapped in a mindless chat with a fucking non-playable character. You're off your fucking tree. If you think I'm picking up a phone call without first reading an email or getting a text about what the fuck it does. And that's what happens. You ignore the phone and then they'll message and go, please pick up. I've got hot goss. <laughs> Nigel's gay. Wow, okay, let me on. I'll let you get it off your chest. You can get your endorphin rush betraying the trust of a friend, which is what you're doing. You get your rush by betraying the... Pushing down, man. Stepping on some fucking necks. Because you had that confidential... You had a confidential discussion with someone where they told you something personal. Oh, yeah, they're weeping. You're holding them. They're crying on your shoulder and saying, thank you so much. I'm so glad I I could be open with you. I feel like I'm going to be judged. No one no one looks at themselves from 40,000 feet. You know when you're sitting there and they go, look, I don't want to, I shouldn't tell anyone this, but I trust you and we're good friends, I'm going to tell you. To betray them eight hours later and then to not reflect on what you are as a person is insane to me. No, I'm a good person. Look, I just got drunk. I shouldn't have told everyone that he's bankrupt. But, like, I need to get my endorphins kick and luck. Yeah, I betrayed him. (laughs) Every single person betrays everyone. Whenever they get told details about someone's life and the person specifically says don't tell anyone, no one ever does it. I don't know anyone that doesn't just fucking spill the beans. It's so rare. In Ken's, uh, my father, who does not listen to the podcast or know know of you really at all, uh, he, he was like, oh, so how old is he? And I was like, no, I... I told him I wouldn't tell anyone. Yeah, you can't tell anyone. He's like, well, he's like, yeah, but what do you? But how old is he? Like, I don't. Uh, what does it matter? I'm like, because I said it. It belies the whole point of our podcast. I said I wouldn't do that. <laughs> how that is the betrayal. I can't. It's, it's even a betrayal of my own, like my own integrity, <laughs> dude. It's it's such a betrayal, and it belies the whole point of our podcast, which is about pigeonholing everyone. Like, you don't get that definition. I don't even like that I've got a name. It should just be weird uh, code sound. Like, I, we don't want to, I don't want to be part of any of this fucking shit simulation. I don't want, I've been trying to, dude, I try to open up my, my set that I, I said, you smell your fingers to try to see if you're real or in the now. It's the most confusing opener. I said, come on, guys, you tell me you don't smell your own fingers. To sit to check if you're real. What? I said wait, this wait, to wait, silence. Why have you picked smell your own fingers? I feel like that is a, I, that is one of the senses that is like quite easily deceived. For instance, you have you ever smelled uh, cocoa butter, like the lotion? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever eaten cocoa butter? The smell and the taste, the smell is very deceptive. It tastes like shit, man. Dude. Why would you I find sm- it- Why would you rely on that scent? Dude, I thought this was like going to be my relatable bit. I said, don't you sniff your fingernails to bring you into the present. What the And people are like, what are you talking about? You mean sniff your fingernails? You know, when you're disassociative and you smell... And you can smell a, a slight sniff of feces, fecal matter under the nail that it brings you into the present. And people are very confused. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm trying to do a relatable observation and I'm getting blocked every which way. You're telling me that's not normal? I just think that you've picked such a horrible... There's, there's so many issues with the initial statement. Oh, dude, it's the, it's the most... 
It's the most disgusting image. The only image worse than that is Michael Jackson peering into kids' buttholes. It's <laughs> more despicable than that idea of a man sitting, sniffing his fingers on a bus to bring him into the present. <laughs> so good. That was such a funny part of that documentary when he was describing how Michael Jackson would, his thing was to stare into a butthole Dude, of a child. I don't think any crime was committed. Yeah. As long as you don't touch the hole, why can't you look at it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're allowed to look, gaze into the abyss. You just can't touch the abyss. Dude, if, if the kid doesn't know, so the kid's... He just happens to be up on, like, a stirrup and he's playing Nintendo <laughs> Switch. How, how, he doesn't know. He thinks he's just airing out his, his rash. He doesn't know that Michael's walking behind with a telescope. Yeah, this is really the difference between a gynecologist and an amateur gynecologist, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all he needed was a qualification, man. If you're a proctologist, you can stare at all the kid buttholes you like. Do you think there's a gynecologist that can't make a woman come? Like, do you think that's how they test them? Man, I think they're, uh, I think most of them don't even fucking want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you spend all day on the tools, man, you don't want to pick up a hammer when you get home. (laughs) It is that classic joke because all, um, I remember when I was younger and it's like total, um, misogyny, you know, the worst of like, oh, yeah, I just want to be like a, a, a fucking gynecologist. Mm. But obviously it's flawed immediately because you're just looking at disease. And you're too close to it, man. Why would you get that close to it? And you don't really want to see inflamed and, and uh, pussy, 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 it's like finding out how a magic trick works. You get cl- too close to it. You find out how the magic trick works and that kills the magic. Yeah. And that's why I find it funny that like doctors still have sex because if you actually understand what's doing, so you're like friction, 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 and then uh, chemical released. Once you see it in a sort of the mechanical way, like an autistic mind, you're like, oh, God, we are so fucking basic human beings. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, like most of the dopamine or the pleasure centers seem very basic. Because you understand what's happening and you're like, I met someone new and then you're infatuated by them. You're messaging, you're messaging, you're messaging. And you're like, oh, it's just this section's being triggered. That's going, do you know what I mean? I Mm. think this is why maybe I have autism because I don't think it's normal to be analysing your feelings in such a a way. Have you ever had something like that during sex or I can't, I don't really know what, uh, like another good example, but where you... Uh, become very aware in an almost out-of-body way that you're just going through like a biological process. I've had it where we've meant to be having like an intimate moment mm. and it's a special one and someone brings me into, God, um, I'm just so glad we found each and they're talking to me and I'm suddenly finding myself angry and disgusted <laughs> yeah. at how cliche the moment is. <laughs> yeah. Do you know when like we're rolling and we're watching like, you're at a park and it's a movie night and you've got the picnic hamper and they try to pull you into what feels like the notebook or a movie, a rom-com experience. And I find myself repulsed at the fact that I've fallen victim. You know, like that. that, yeah. that, that I'm, and I'm like self-aware of like, oh my God, this is so fucking 
I, I was going to say the word G-A-Y, but it's not appropriate. I think it's <laughs> fine, man. I think it's fine to call it gay. It is gay to have feelings and to yeah. think about the feelings. It's yeah. the immediacy with which everything is ruined and the yeah. the, the genuine genuine moments can be dashed. They can be ripped to shreds as soon as you become aware of them. They've taken away a bit of our language because that is G-A-Y. Because you've been taught that. I don't know why you're not saying the word gay now when we've said it so many times before. No, 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 but saying as as a definition, right? It's because when you were younger and you cried and you showed emotional, this is where it comes from, right? That was gay. That was gay. Your dad was going, shut the fuck up. Grow up. Don't cry in front of me. And that is why (laughs) when you're actually having intimacy with someone Mm. and they go like, I love you so much. You mean so much. You have flashes and it's triggered by this misogyny that's innate in a male. And you think, this is fucking gay. (laughs) And you're actually feeling wholesome and loved and connected. And you're triggered going like, fuck. This is homo. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, you should just lean into it and go like, cuddle me, let me suckle on your breasts and feel like a baby again. Mm. But instead you go like, and, and this is a bad thing that I need to work with a counsellor. I should be able to do Lady in the Tram and not feel lame sharing spaghetti. But it, how can you, man? How can you be part of a cliched moment and think it's so... But then I guess I'm saying that and it's everyone is all the time and they're absolutely fine with it. But I've definitely caught myself often, so many times, being part of uh, or being led down cliche road going, fuck this, no way. <laughs> the greatest regret is, um, you know, uh, displaying the love. What's it called? Where, where you're like, you're online and, you know, like... You're, 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 you're talking about your, your infatuation or love with mm. this person. Do you know, mm. public displays of affection. Sure. That's what we're talking about. Public displays of affection have always made me cringe because you're right and they'll go, I love him like no other. I love him like myself. And it's sort of all like, uh, do you know, like, lest we forget <laughs> with uh, roses. They do a montage, there's photos, and it's for your anniversary. Da, da. There's big fireworks, and they go, I'll love them on the hills. We will never we forget will love our love. them on the hills. We will love them on the beaches. <laughs> we will love them on the beaches. When the morning shall set and the sun shall set, we shall remember our love. And it's on Facebook with all your friends going like, fuck, I love you guys. And you're like, you're in there, and then you get sent that, and you've got to respond. I will love her on the beaches. I will love her when cancer riddles my body and I'm on my deathbed. I will kiss and cuddle her until all of time. Mm. I can't do that. I find it crazy to go and and then... I find it even crazier the people that start going, God, I love you guys. What you've got is special. It's the weirdest fucking shit ever. Especially when you consider that there are people like me watching. Divorced, alone, destitute. Angry. (laughs) And you know what it is? You know where you're getting your joy from? You got the cake and I didn't. You got the invite and I didn't. You've got to go online. It's not enough for you guys to just go and have your fucking picnic in private and tug each other off in the dunes, you have to get a little dopamine rush by doing a public display of affection, knowing full well that I am staring on from the void and the abyss with tears streaming down my eyes (laughs) and then saying, you know what, I don't even want that. It's 
fucking cliche. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I, I struggle with every any sort of uh, any pub publicizing of deaths or uh, gen, whatever genuine moment. As soon as it becomes something that you put on Facebook or whatever, it, like yeah, dude. To me, that's the that's the same as as uh, as revealing the like like seeing the magic trick. Oh yeah, man, and and it's sort of like. It, this is why I prefer the kids like that don't want to hug an adult. I'm like, yeah, trust nobody. Mm. You never know who's going to betray you. Yeah, I'm your father. I respect that you've got to the level where you go like, don't touch me, dad. Don't hug. And I'm like, yeah, good work. You're learning. Be uh, keep everyone at arm's length. This place is a fucking bear pit. Because then hugging mean when you do hug, it means something. And also. Showing that around people is weakening because you need to keep all your cards to your chest because you might socially engineer a destructive plan on them. You don't know who you're going to need to stab to elevate. Do you know what I mean? So to show the group that you're hugging someone is potentially destroying an ability to lobby against them. No, but because uh, they go, hang on, I you think, hugged well, her. But, but, be, but being known as... Uh, but being okay with hugging and setting that up early lets you get closer to stab someone in the back. Yeah, 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 but then the, <laughs> the, what you're doing is you're cheapening your rela- – because uh, your, your, you're building uh, other factors, factions, and they see you hugging and then you're like, oh, when you have your one-on-one chat with them explaining how we're going to backstab Susie, they're like, hang on, I saw you. You were hugging Susie. And I'm like, oh, the plan's being foiled by public display of affection. But I think people should – it's like what a wedding is. It's atrocious. <laughs> to, to pull people in and think we give a fuck that you guys are copulating into each other. We don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to know about it. Yeah, you put your dick in her. Whatever. Let's fucking have cake. Just fucking do your dirty shit outside of my scope. It's a wolf. Not everyone wants to be the herd. Some people want to be the black sheep is what I'm saying. I just don't understand why you would want to bring paperwork uh, and bureaucracy into any relationship. Yeah. There's no benefit to signing a marriage certificate and I'm pretty sure it still costs like $30 or whatever it is. Yeah. For what reason? To, to, so they have it on file? What the fuck? That's crazy. And, and who, wants to, who wants to own someone like that? If, if they're so special to you, you don't want them to have a verbal commitment in front of a group going, we need witnesses because you're not backing out of this, Stacey. Well, and that's what it is. It's, an, it's a property exchange holdover from... It's basically, yeah, a slave exchange with witnesses. That's what it was about. And yeah. then, obviously, the, the implicit assumption at that point, because they're religious, that you will now be fucking her exclusively and people should stay the fuck away from your property. <laughs> it's <laughs> disgusting. And they're basically going, all the witnesses will be able to validate that contract because all the farmers in the paddock now are aware that you own each other and that if they're, you're caught copulating with someone else, it will be reported by one of the witnesses. Do you know? And that's and effectively the whole thing is it's, it's crazy to invite your mum and dad and to basically have an unspoken message that, yeah, I'm going to bang this woman tonight. Let's have cake. Do you know? It's crazy. Before the concept of private property, there was no reason to uh, form a form legal unions <laughs> that oh, yeah, dude. dictated how that private property would be uh, would be distributed 
uh, in the future upon your debt. And it's not really the right mindset because we've seen it with the share economy. You've got to own it. And Airbnb is much more effective. It should be a lease scenario with all females and males. Use it, abuse it, whatever. Cigarettes in the in the spa. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it should just be used as long as you're engaging. So if you go through a slump mentally and you're annoying, why the fuck does she have to go down with that shit? Because <laughs> you're yeah, depressed yeah, for yeah. a year and she's got a verbal contract with you. She needs to get the fuck out and get some fresh air and bang some fresh semen. She doesn't want to be around you. You've, you've, you've corrupted. You haven't managed your mental health, Andrew. You're on medication. You're fucking difficult now. She needs to not be... She doesn't need to clean up the Airbnb, dude. You just pay your deposit and move on. Absolutely, man. There's a cleaning fee and that's it. You're done. You fucking exit. The idea of just having seen how humans deplete, the thought of wanting to be with someone forever is insane because I've seen the waves of how people act and I'm like, you don't want to be there for the dark times. Sucks. I mean, I can, look, I can understand the party because because tradition is, uh, is its own value, right? Yeah. If people value weddings as a ceremony and that's societally something that exists, then you value that as well. That makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah. But to then sign the certificate, like to what end? To what end? Why does it help you uh, at the end of the wedding or fucking after the photos to sit there and sign all the documents and send them away? Yeah. So so they are filed and you can, what, later... Uh, pay a lot of money to undo it all, I guess. Like, that's, the, that's the only thing that fucking changes is it's, it's, it's paperwork. And there's so much, like, if the language was more accurate and it was like, do you, do you want to own him? Do you own him? And, like, so many of the, the, the traditions suck. Like, that, I've always said it, like, that the, the dad gives away the, the wife. The, the mum should give away the, the mummy boy son, the little bitch boy. No, 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 because the father is a, there's a dowry involved, man. That's what it is. It's about the unification dude, of two families and the uh, and, and accumulating as much of the private property as possible. Dude, they can't update, they can't update that it's a, a, a slave trade auction with witnesses. The whole thing's disgusting. And then because it's been in a lot of movies with Disney music and romance music, it's actually disgusting. I don't think in your one passage of consciousness that you should be owned by another being. Like you don't need to fucking answer to another person on this place. It's your need to feel validated, which is a mistake. You need to validate your fucking self. You don't need some <laughs> asshole saying that you're okay. You need to fucking get on with your life. It's called self-esteem, so it's not really my fault that you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know what you say? People go, hey, have you met anyone? And go, like, yeah, I'm married to a thing called my own self-worth and self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> I found a partner for life. It's called self-worth. <laughs> Fuck you. If you're planning a wedding, if you've got one coming up, just it went, when the documents are signed, when everything's done and the celebrant's fucked off, uh, just take them, just, just tear them up. Just tear them up. No, don't send them. No one will know. It's fine. Oh, mate, I love that when they you get invited to a wedding and they go, do you want to bring a partner? And you go, yeah, I'm going to bring something I call self-esteem. I don't need a partner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing called self-love. I'm not looking for someone to validate my feelings 
because most of them are dysfunctional. That's a so very, fun, that's a very can, funny way to tell people that you're very alone. Just be like, uh, yeah, I'll be coming with my own sense of self-worth, thank you. <laughs> like, sorry, man, no, we're just, we're organising the catering. Yeah, I'll be there with my own sense of self-worth. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking loser. <laughs> I don't need someone to validate my thoughts. I don't need to be on a picnic rug. Yeah, I feel weird in groups as well. I'm doing that myself because I've got enough personal growth. Sorry, man, that's not what I asked her. We're just trying to figure out how many chicken, how many fish for the... <laughs> uh, and, I, and I say, well, look, I'll break it down for you. Basically, what I'm saying is I want two meals because I'm a fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want two meals. <laughs> Dude, you know what's so good is it having like an invisible friend where you basically go and you call it self-worth or self-esteem <laughs> and you demand at a wedding that there's a sep- separate seat for your self-esteem and then you eat. Do you know what I mean? Like, like as in you just basically go, no, I'm not alone. I've got the belief of myself here in this invisible woman that comes. No, but I would love that you would actually go, no, you don't get, you don't get everything just because you're partnered up. I get a second seat and I've got my seat up there. And I get a second dessert and I get... And then you're out on the dance floor and you're dancing with your self-esteem, like which is an invisible woman. Dancing with myself. And you go, yeah, I'm not missing out, am I? We're doing the tango and the first dance and you go, couples, you may now be able to proceed to the dance floor. And you go and me- you act out like you're with someone. <laughs> Love is in the air. Even when I'm with myself. It's pretty good to RSVP to a wedding with a plus one. And yeah. when you're there, they're always... Oh, you know, oh, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, don't worry. And then just keep the play setting just so you can get that second meal, man. And you say, look, I'm, I'm sick of feeling left out when I make a better, a superior decision, <laughs> psychological decision than you do, than tethering myself to another fucking crazy. I mean, I don't need... Because you, you get in a relationship, all you do is double your problems. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> You've got their issues. You're, you know, you, you scratch your car. Guess what? She scratched her car as well. It's another mm. fucking issue. Yeah. You need the less contact, less, no people, no worries, whatever the fucking <laughs> song is. No woman, no crybaby. Oh, dude, I love that. Um, what, that, the song, people, the, the sis, People say that it's about not having a woman, but it, he meant something else, right? Oh, no woman, no cry. I imagine. I don't know. I'm like, no, no. I think, I think, I think the song. It's not like guys sing it. No woman, like I've got a, a bitch, ninety nine problems in one. They think it's like no woman, <laughs> no cry. Are you wait, wait? Is the Jay Z one the one that you think is? Which one's the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 I think Jimi Hendrix, no woman, no cry was. I think he he means. Um, that if you don't have a, you know, like you can't feel without ladies. Like there's some other more progressive meaning. Well, I'm, dude, I'm it, sure, it, I'm sure that's it. Why would, what, why would, <laughs> why would Bob Marley be singing about how not oh, having yes, Bob Marley? Why did I say, why did I say Jim, Mer- Jim, Mer- Jimmy Hendrix? Is it because they're both black, dude? Well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, um, this is what people do. They just put in their own meanings on everything. It happens with stand-up all the time. They're like, oh, I know what you mean about sniffing your fingers. And I'm like, no, you don't. No woman, no cry means woman, don't cry. As in, no woman, don't cry. Like, yeah, 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 that's You're it. okay. Um, it's, a, it's a comforting statement. He, he's, 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 he's consoling. No woman, no cry. Please, I'll be better. <laughs> I'll be a better man. 
And then all the, the fucking sis, what, what are the guys? Mom, that, brother, the problem is you got the woman, the woman make you cry. You got to get away from her, man. That's what you yeah, got to yeah, yeah. do. What, what are those guys called? And we're going to get you on them SSRAs. What are the woman haters called, the groups? Gays. Oh, yeah, that is actually. But what are, what are the other ones called, those guys that won't sl- sleep with women? Oh, you mean incels? Yeah, incels. That's involuntary, though. Yeah, but incels use that as their song. No woman, no cry. When it's actually, no, please don't cry. I want to be better. <laughs> it's amazing how everything can be screwed. And this is what happens with all stand-up. Mm. Because people project their own meanings onto all, all premises. Yeah, we're all trapped behind the lens through which we view reality. Yeah, and so they come and yell at you. And I'm like, dude. It's not my problem that you have problems. Like you, you are projecting on my act. I am dealing with my own issues. That has nothing to do with racism. It's a fun bit about blacking them up. My favourite is when it's la- just laughter, like, ah-ha-ha-ha, abortion, ah-ha-ha-ha, oh, yeah. racism, ah-ha-ha-ha, pedophilia, oh, cancer. No, that's not funny. Oh. That's where I draw the line because it's something that I'm personally affected by. And it's because uh, they're not – introspection is a rare thing these days, that the ability to consider that you are doing what I'm saying. That you're hanging, you're in groups. Mm. That when someone gives you uh, information, you betray that trust for your own elevation. That you're stealing stories. And that when you go and watch comedy, that you will laugh at racism. But when it gets to cancer, it, you could film that person. Oh, and yeah. you could watch them like this. Ha! Ah, ah, Rain Man! He's autistic! He's on the spectrum! Train timetable. <laughs> and then they go testicular cancer. Whoa. And they're like, they're on their phone sending a complaint. He's disgusting. And I'm like, you're all, you're all getting fed off Satan's tit, you fucker. All the shit's despicable. Everything I hear in these rooms. Every critical response, like a message online uh, to a comedian about a joke, it always starts with uh, the, whatever the subject is, it'll be like, testicular cancer my father yeah and or if it's whatever it is it's it's immediately the thing that makes it a personal issue for them yeah but but there's no way for them to see that trend no way for them to understand and what their fundamental argument it's left brain right brain they they don't understand that humor with 50 percent of the population is a mechanism to process pain they think being sensible and sincere about pain is how you fix it. That you should acknowledge the pain and go, look, it's important and we need to show love and kindness. The best way for half the population to deal with pain is to go, ha ha, he'll be dead soon. I guess that means his wife's going to be on the market. Start texting her. <laughs> People laugh. <laughs> and it's not mean. It's helping you to process. It's one of the mechanisms you've got as a human being is humour to process this fucking cesspit of hell, which is what I'm saying. Fundamentally, we're horrible people. Life has to kill other life to live. The whole fundamental programming of the simulation is despicable. The shit you have to do to stay alive here and to have a little bit of a laugh about it, but they, Lord forbid, you go on stage and don't take it sincere. Or, to, or be earnest about their problems. Yeah, if, if you can joke about a thing, it, you can make it easier to talk about with someone. Dude. If someone's dealing with an issue and you can make fun of it, you can find humour 
that's where you can begin dialogue and you can begin to reach understanding. And what's so uh, 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 severe about it, it's a class thing because the, it's only the privilege that haven't learned that. Because if you're poor and your dad's an alcoholic and he's gambled the money away on Christmas morning, you laugh. Where is he? <laughs> Guess this. He's gambled it all away mm. and he's fucking left. And then you're laughing. Where's daddy? And you're doing act outs and all the kids <laughs> are like, I'm daddy. Ghost of daddy Christmas past. <laughs> you're all laughing. But the privileged people never learn that. So they're like, then suddenly they hear you talking about you know, your dad that's absconded, that you never laugh more than in a domestic violence or an abusive scenario or lower socioeconomic thing. You have to laugh, which is why those big continents, Ireland, these areas are very funny because it's fucking traumatic to live there. <laughs> but then the privileged people that haven't experienced life are like, how could you laugh about something so silly? Well, you can, you have to. When you wake up on Christmas morning and there's no one there and you're, it's just the three of you kids, you better start laughing about how bad your parents are. <laughs> yeah, because the inverse to talking about something and joking about it is creating a taboo. Yeah. It just removes the problem from a solution. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Christmas morning, mum and dad aren't there because they're meth heads. And then you take that very seriously. And I'm like, your only option to to move through this is humour. You have to. You everyone. You will find a f- no better joke than those three kids that woke up on Christmas morning and no one was there. <coughs> Some of the best riffs you will ever hear. <laughs> you know it. And it's only the little fucking snotty nosed privileged cunt that comes up to you and says, "How dare you!" Laugh about these situations that we've never experienced. <laughs> I'm only new to trauma and I think <laughs> yeah, be yeah. earnest about it. I'll have you know that the first bad thing to ever happen to me happened to me very recently. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not handling it well. I don't like this. That's what you should do when they complain. Oh, I see you're new to trauma. <laughs> Welcome. Our first day. <laughs> I'll sit back and allow you to acclimatise and realise you'll come to the, the, the understanding that dark humour is your only way out now. Oh, man, yeah. If, if you're not at the point where you can joke about a thing, you are fucked. Like, you are so far away on your journey of processing it. E- effectively, it is the, one of the most disgusting things you can do is to talk to a victim because you're a new victim and try explain victimhood, which is effectively what you're doing. You're going to a comedian and saying, how can you laugh about this? And you're like, welcome. Get warm. The water's great. You'll come to know what I'm doing. You're a newbie here. Quiet. You've obviously had your first trauma quite late in life. You'll adjust. It's sad because those people who, uh, for them, it's like, my dad died. He had testicular cancer. It's like, man, you, like, it's it's going to get worse. Like, this is, yeah. <laughs> you have a lot to go through if you're at the point where you can't fucking, you can't talk about it yet. You can't talk about the thing yet. You are fucked. You are so fucked. You should actually go, God, man, I'm envious. You have lived in such a bubble, you lucky fuck. To be 52 and to be reacting to pain like this, Mm. you fucking privileged fuck. My God, let me give you a heads up. 
Everything dies. It's all going to corrupt. It all corrupts and corrodes. It's all going to fucking melt in front of you. Reality will become nothing. Everything you love and know will be destroyed in your lifetime. You lucky fuck to have no turbulence to the age of 52. Fuck you. Oh, man, dude, to be so lucky that one bad thing stands out amongst all the rest. Oh. Like, what? this one bad thing is fucking notable. Like, th- that means that there's nothing else going on. <laughs> and, and, and how is the insanity to be talking to a true victim, right? A comedian that's probably had drug addict parents, been molested, had the worst life conceivable, and you go like, how dare you, my friend... She had type 1 breast cancer and she had them removed. And she does not look as good in a bathing suit anymore, you fucking pig. And you're like, I was passed around. I was in a sex ring. My dad fucking shot himself in the head in front of me, you fucker. I'm allowed to joke. I fucking earned the right to joke about this. How dare you? She doesn't look the same and the scars are disgusting. And you're like, you fucking, you fucking Ah, you animal, (laughs) you animal to come up to someone and think that your pain, what I'm guaranteeing you, if someone's going to be flippant about pain like that on stage, they have experienced fucking mountains of pain. Mm. They have earned the right and the passport to be dismissive and and to joke and to, to, to be surface on this stuff. Look, there are exceptions, but I generally, the person has earned the right to be flippant about it like that i think yeah because they've lived a half life of course and they're doing they're doing doing a huge favor to make something easier to talk about fun to make a sub to bring a subject to light it's a basically you're introducing that per that that trauma or that person new to pain to the 12-step program and the first thing is to dismiss it by making light of it that is the first way it's it's like when something bad happens in your head you reprogram it so it's smaller it's sillier it looks like this obviously you don't escalate negative shit there is no pain in this world it's just your choice to respond that you know what i mean like Mm. there is no suffering it's purely your reaction that creates it you can just dismiss everything you don't actually have to you don't have to be in pain you choose to be in pain I think you do. I think you do have to suffer. I think the suffering's inevitable, man. That's what I said to that taxi driver. <laughs> Which man? He goes, "Don't you want to be happy?" And I'm like, "I said, uh, pain. You know, all, all all learning comes from hurt and pain." Well, yeah, all all suffering is teaching you how to deal with the suffering because that's all that happens. And I said, "I've got a short time here, so I want to do the most growth possible. So I basically want pure pain." The whole time. <laughs> Man, it's like it's like uh, everyone everyone over sixty about about what fifteen years ago, everyone over sixty yeah. uh, was complaining about the like, fucking mental health. They're always talking about depression on the TV. Yeah. They've got ads for. Fucking so just just fucking buck up, man. Yeah. Every effort in mental health awareness was met with resistance by people over a certain age because they were not able to talk about something that they all definitely fucking had. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, 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 respect, I respect their attitude because you come to know thyself by keeping the pain at <laughs> You really harden up. Do, do you know what? If you, have, if you take that sort of um, 
stoic approach, right? So that if something bad happens and you choose to dismiss it and never ever articulate it and just ignore it, that is such elevated psychology. No, man, that's 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 the that's not stoicism. That's that's ignorance. Stoicism is to understand yeah. uh, and then accept, not to be like I'm not sad. I'm not, I'm never sad. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have no, my no, life no. and that's how I manifest it. No, but I misworded it. I'm saying if you choose to react to bad things, if you just let them happen like water over duck's back and you acknowledge that you do not actually have to react to your environment down here, you don't have to. You don't actually have to react to anything. Yeah, oh yeah, you, like you don't, you don't need to let it. You don't need to let it cripple you or do no, but nothing, or, or, you, you or can, really you, do have any sort of like manifestation or you can change. become completely you can become totally detached from everything, the simulation, and just occasionally smell your fingers to bring you back into the now. <laughs> you literally do you know it was like I went for a run and I'm trying to get fit finally, but I'm like I realize flies bring you out of the fries are like almost part of the simulation to distract you because as soon as you get into a mindful state, there's a fly up your fucking nose. So what I did is I went for a run with a, a fly net and I was in fucking Nirvana, dude. Because I, I was in there and I, was, I wasn't in the now. I was in like my own mind, mind, mindfulness. Do you know what I mean? And there were 38 flies hanging on the screen, but they weren't able to touch my nose to short circuit. <laughs> The, the 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 euphoria that I was feeling. And I was, this is such a this is such a strictly Western Australian problem, man. It's like, I understand it as a concept, but it's not something I've ever experienced. So I was able to be in a mindful state because what normally happened is I'd have a passage of thought where I'm philosophizing or thinking or something, but then a fly will go into your nose and you'll be like, ah, fuck! What was I thinking about? Happiness. <laughs> acceptance of pain what what are we talking about fuck off fly you're fucking okay fucking you start slapping your head and you're like i can't think but here i was with this fly net and i could feel them <laughs> weighing heavy they were holding the fly yes, screen but on it, my this is it man this is it you understand that there are flies and so to uh, to deal with this you have use a, a fly which i assume is what like a hat you've got a hat with a net with netting coming off of it yeah yeah with a net fully around and do you know the only problem is because it's a different act uh action running people had to point it out because the herd are like hang on we haven't endorsed fly nets and they're like wow crazy but oh, you've under- oh. you've understood the problem which is the flies yeah you've accepted it and then you've dealt with the problem yeah but, but what i was talking and now about you're, and then you're stoic you can see the herd mentality mm. in that instance because i was doing an unexpected behavior which is like just acknowledging how fucking bad flies are in perth that you have to actually wear a net over your head and then run in the park with a full scarecrow's net over your head so you don't get... And then every person I've walked past, I ran past, because I'm walking a lot of it, past, <laughs> would point out that it was unusual. You mean you, if you're just walking through a park with netting on your face, they must have people must have thought you were, like, keeping bees or something. Dude, dude, they thought... So I looked like a beekeeper, and not a single person was able to let me just fucking acknowledge that... There's a fly problem in Perth. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, why are you dressed like that? There's no problem. And I'm like, look at your nose, dude. You've got 70 flies in and out of your fucking nose, short circuit your consciousness. 
Fuck you. The initial visual that you've got that you conjured and then the visual that you conjured after of you walking through a park in a beekeeper outfit. Dude, <laughs> do you know what I realised on the run? I was like, I need to get this net thicker so people can't recognise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I suddenly had this idea and I'm like, why am I just dressed like this for the run? I should look like this always. Yeah, man. I should always be in a beekeeper's suit. Constant disguise, yeah. So that when I go to Coles, no one recognises me. They can't say, oh, Andrew, how's it going? How's the divorce going? They're just like, who the fuck is that beekeeper that seems to be eating cheese from the dairy aisle, shoving it up the netting? And I'm like, you can't do that, sir. And I'm like, your laws don't apply to me. I'm beeman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm B-Man. I'm returning to my hive shortly. Just shoplifting at Coles as people try and stop you. Buzz, buzz. Buzz off. Do you know what's crazy is that, right? It is so rare to see an outlier. This is how homogenizing humans are. If someone went to the shops dressed as B-Man, <laughs> it's wild. You would, get, you would end up banned from the shop. You're like, we cannot have a man dressed in a beehive net wandering around not interacting with us. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? If this net was thicker and no one can recognise you, you're free from the simulation. Why are you worried about people recognising you, man? Because then you don't have to interact with anyone ever again. But you don't have to, rec- you don't have to interact with people if they re- recognise you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you go to the shops. Andrew, is that you? Yeah, I'm Jenny, your high school teacher. That's what I'm saying, though. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying that the uh, uh, there's still an issue of uh, uh, of your own self worth or esteem being affected by this. You shouldn't care. I don't care. It's literally the simulation is intrusive. They, if you go like this, fuck off. She'll go, hey, is, hey, see, I'm your t- high school teacher of year 10. How you been? Fuck off, I just think that, I think that if you're, a thicker net is not going to make people less likely to ask questions. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, I'm saying like you, you can, you can actually have safe passage without someone intruding with their thoughts on you. You can be free. Yeah, I, but I don't think, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that like being unrecognizable is only going to make people uh, more inquisitive from maybe from fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they're going to, I want like that with a voice modulator that makes me sound like a bee. And I'm like, what you need is that like, you need to find a version of that that repels people completely. Like you want, you want people in the shops to who do recognize you to not approach you. Do you know what I know? What it is? You dress. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. You dress as an old housewife, which is the the most <laughs> the most ignore people in the society. Man, middle aged woman, a, a grey haired housewife, and you watch how hard it is to get anyone to engage with. You. <laughs> you have like you have a you have toilet paper just coming out of the back of your pants. People who do recognize like something like that that makes people when they do see you, bit like they're too embarrassed, like they wouldn't want to be associated with you. Dude, you know what you need is, and I think it's basically the true savants of our life is all you need. Help, please help. I'm homeless on sign, and people will avoid yeah. you. Please <laughs> yeah. help. I'm homeless is the quickest way to have a, a peaceful shop. Hey. 
Well, you've got that on a sign. But it is so funny that in this random simulation, just the people feel like they need to engage with you mm. in this moment. Like, like, it's insane to me that when you're going through this thing, that just the random characters that come in and out, it's the weirdest thing, <laughs> life. Hey, just randomly, you know, you're at a shop and then you just meet some weird character and they'll say, oh, plums are good this season. It's just so weird to me, dude. Oh, man. I'm like, where the fuck did this person come from? Yeah, the random people commenting on stuff, trying to... But then those are those are always lonely people. That's sad. It's... It, you know what I mean? It's so frustrating. This is, the, this is the, the biggest issue I had with this was um was with the sausage dogs. You take them wherever you were, yeah. people would come up to me and, and just ask the same fucking questions over and over and over, oh, man. Dude, dude. How old are they? What are their names? What's that? What's the colour of that one? Because fucking... Because Tiny's dappled, so they'd point at him. And you... you you get so sick of it, so fucking sick of answering the same thing over and over again. It's the same experience with kids, right? Mm. That um, all I ever hear is, oh, you're the best dad. You're the best dad. I'm like, what? Dropping them at school. I'm like, what are the other dads doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the best dad. Oh, my God, do you make lunch for them? You're the best dad. I'm like, how low is the standard for dads? Man, these are people not dealing with their own trauma of their dad. Uh, physically abusing them and then not being there Christmas morning. They'll tell me, you're the best dad. And I'm like, yeah, I've just picked them up from T-Ball. I think you need to get a grip. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's anything beyond like bare minimum fucking shit. 15 years ago, though, just to go back to that mental health awareness thing, like, can you remember the, the idea of, uh, of saying to someone, yeah, I, I, I'm dealing with some depression or I'm like, I'm dealing with anxiety, whatever, uh, would it, it would have been crazy. It would have been crazy to fucking bring that up. I, I, what, what I mean is that the, uh, that the whole mental health awareness drive, all those ads, everything yeah. did so much. But, but dude, there's, a, there's such an interesting, there's cathartic, catharticism, oh, there's a cathartic, sort of thing of talking about stuff but a lot of it is like this um stoicism like you're indulging the feeling doesn't often fix it it's better off to process and move on uh in relation to what we were saying about uh being able to address and talk about trauma or whatever yeah yeah yeah. no dude i'm not i'm not disputing it i'm not i'm not not saying that everything about it is healthy i'm just saying that the uh look it's so important to to tackle your psychology and work out like the destructive, repetitive thinking and, and the way you are. Or at least to have some fucking sense of awareness so that you aren't one of uh, one of those 60-year-olds who refuses to talk about depression but also beats their kids. There's also, there's also um, a rush that comes from indulging in that. Do you know, so it's a balancing act. You've got to, you've got to be a temporary visitor because it can become and consume your whole life is about your problems. But do you think that's like, uh, do you think that is an overcorrection? Like it's, that's part of the process, like part of the process uh, of figuring out your own mental health or your own psychology is to initially uh, when it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. When you when you know barely fucking anything, you think you know everything. So you talk about you talk about it constantly. Yeah, yeah. And then the more you you begin to understand, and the further through the process you are, 
the less that the less annoying you are about it. Yeah, well, it's interesting, man. Like whether you resolve it or whether it becomes all-consuming, because it is. There's nothing more, um, like, like good. Like there's, if talking about this stuff is, is is like a high and an addiction in its own way. Do you know what I mean? To just be immersed in your own. You know what I mean? It's it's all-consuming. Once you start understanding that you're depressed and your feelings and your moods, that becomes your personality in a way. But do you think that the people – because I think the people who who it is everything for, like where it is all-consuming, I think that's just an indication of them not having sorted it out at all or not having dealt with it. It's – that's a – that's a that's a huge red flag. If someone's constantly talking about their anxiety, it means that the, no matter how many fucking years of therapy they've they've done or what yeah. they claim to have done about it or how well they're handling it, they're not fucking handling it. Dude, it's it's exactly the same with the recovering addict, the smoker, the sex addict. Mm. They they basically are so dysfunctional that they don't realize purveying and talking about how good it is, the 12-sec program, they've given it up. They're still feeble minds because they, they, they used to be an alcoholic, that's all they were, and now all they are is an annoying cunt that doesn't shut up about <laughs> giving up alcohol. Yeah. And I'm like, you're still a one-faceted a, a one human being. Like, you haven't learned how to compartmentalise feelings and have moments. Like, you should have moments where you address your depression and your self-worth and stuff. But so many people, it becomes everything. All I ever hear is how they fucking got fucking PTSD and that's the, they, who they are. And, or I gave up alcohol. Or I'm a vegan. Do you know it's the same idea of that vegan guy? Do you know what I mean? That 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 it, they push all they do is talk about vegan, and then if everyone became vegan, they would just move on to a new topic. They've built a life around. Yeah, they would always they would have to find something else. And and what I'm saying to you is, people that have lost direction suddenly build a whole life around them fixing their mental health becomes their personality, and we're like, fucking shut up. Yeah, yeah, but I think, but that's. Uh, it's just a. It's just an indicator that they have not, they've 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 not cracked it at all. Then maybe they're not even on the right track. They're just uh, they're finding uh, finding reasons to not do the work and to not at, figure out what's actually genuinely wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you do the work, you eventually just move on. It's exactly like um, everyone that's success, successful, say in business, they're not trying to promote it hard on Twitter. If you're a billionaire crypto trader, it's someone that doesn't want to do the work and wants to just convince other people to give them money. Yeah. And the same thing with the mental health person. The person that keeps talking about the, the cold baths and how this has helped them and this has helped them is just resistant to actually addressing their internal fucking wiring issue and try to fix it permanently. They're just in there like, oh, I'm now on this new diet. Because people who are not drug addicts do not talk about how they're not drug addicts all the time. It's not a constant focus on not being a drug addict, but people who are very, very addicted to drugs and in recovery yeah. are constantly talking about the recovery process and how they're trying to not be addicted to drugs anymore. And they haven't fixed their addictive personality because it's the same with the, the smoker. The one that's so quick to tell you that they've been three months sober or three months oh, not man, smoking, dude, I'm like... When you're talking to someone and they're like, I haven't had a cigarette in six weeks, you're like, wow, 
Are you fucking thinking about it all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy and shit. <laughs> that's what I said to a guy. He said, I haven't, haven't, haven't smoked in three weeks. And I'm like, as soon as you get drunk tonight, I'm going to put a fucking nicotine patch on your back <laughs> and push you back in because you haven't got over it. Because if you've, 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 you've seen comics or you've done it yourself, like asking the crowd if they smoke and asking who's quit, the one who's like, I haven't smoked in two months. Very, very quick. Dude. But you'll find some guy up the back and you'll be like, you, you'd be like, yeah, I quit. And you'd be like, how long? He's like, oh, fuck, man, no, 30 years? Yeah, dude, <laughs> dude, that's me. I quit. I haven't told anyone. I don't know when I quit. I quit. I was on the gum for at least six or seven or eight months. I haven't smoked for like a long time. And, when, and dude, when you were on the gum, we talked about the gum a lot because it was. Yeah, dude. Because that's when, man, that's when it was at the front of your mind. When, we, when you were on the gum all the time. Oh, yeah, dude. All I talked about was how I was trying to quit. Yeah, because you were struggling. It was a fucking, it was a, a, a fixation. Oh, you've actually, your point is something, because you're still struggling deeply with your mental health is why it's such a topic. It, eventually, when you get resolution, you don't feel the need to keep uh, emailing friends ice bath vouchers. Well, yeah, because that's kind of the thing, right? If someone's talking about... Uh, it's a big problem for them. Their therapy process and their mental health issues and what they're dealing with, and that is their whole personality. Yeah. It probably needs to be their personality because they're fucking not there yet, man. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the yeah. person who's at the supermarket going, man, plums, I love plums. Yeah. They're looking to have an interaction because they're fucking lonely. And you're right. And it's obviously the full growth is when you compartmentalize it and you choose to whether you react to your depression for that day and you choose your own behaviors. But obviously these really sad lost people, it becomes all consuming and they're just talking, telling everyone about how they've found this new, uh, Sensory, des- uh, this new yeah, outlet. That's <laughs> the saddest thing is someone with depression telling you about how well they're coping with their depression. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> I'm actually doing great. I've never felt better. I've been going on runs and we've been doing the cryo freezing thing. That's actually been really good. And my therapist has taught me this new thing. I snap a little rubber band and then I have a, I have a yogurt. Dude, and you know what's so funny? They're always like, I've been doing mindfulness and meditation. I'm like, that's weird because when you describe it, you're with racing thoughts. I can't really react. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not letting me interrupt you and you seem very intense. I'm just really in the moment right now. That's the thing about me right now is I'm feeling really in the moment. I'm feeling really mindful. And I found this new mindfulness and it's Headspace app and it's making me very calm and relaxed. And I'm like, you seem fucking really intense, dude. For someone that's just found ice baths, you are manic, bro. You are manic. Dude, you know what they, they're all trying to do? They're trying to con- get convince themselves that they're no longer an addict. Mm. By verbalizing it. They're in there and you can tell they, they're trying to convince you and, the, and themselves that they don't smoke anymore. And I'm like, well, that's weird, dude, because I was sitting here having quite a good night riffing about this gypsy and you came in and told me that you're three weeks sober and I said, you're the one, you know what I mean? You're obviously the one that's fucking obsessed about your smoking because why you fucking bring it up? What do you think I give a shit? I don't care what you die of, mate. <laughs> Do you remember ages ago we were talking about uh, 
we we had that riff about the 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 not gay ATMs. Yeah, yeah. I used to suffer with gay panic disorder, but uh, now that I use not gay ATMs, it's I think it's pretty clear to everybody that I'm not gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to wake up in the middle of the night with gay panic because of my gay panic disorder. I was always worried about people thinking that I was gay. Yeah, and I had a lot of panic about it. It's it, man. It's you're talking about the thing constantly because it's all you can fucking think about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean that that's the classic, right? The 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 homophobe is always gay. Yeah, because basically it doesn't bother someone else. Like you just don't think about it. The way they're infatuated, obsessed. I'm going. I wonder what those fucking dirty dogs are doing now. What do you think they do after the gay Mardi Gras? They're all fucking jerking each other off and licking each other's butts. And I'm like, I honestly haven't thought about it, dude. Like, <laughs> it looked like fun. Like, I just walked past. It's not a big deal. I said, I don't know why you are, are on the internet yelling about it, getting so angry. Like, who gives a fuck? Do you know, like, they get infatuated talking about it. What do you think those fucking little ass lickers are doing now? <laughs> They're out there sniffing butts and fucking, it's crazy, dude. Because it it's almost guarantees a... a an emotive reaction to something means that you you can contemplate it in your psyche. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that it has plagues you. Because if you have no reaction, it truly is, like, which is what it should be, total dismissive, d- dismissing of other people because you couldn't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about anything, really. It's irrelevant. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, do whatever the fuck you want. Just fuck off, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really not interested in any of their choices, which is the same ob- objection I have to the wedding. Mm. I'm like, I don't care who you fuck. Just, do you know what I mean? I don't care. I'm focused on fucking who I fuck. Okay? <laughs> why do we have to make a big fucking thing, a song and dance that you found love? Is that why you don't want to go to weddings, you're saying? Because you don't, <laughs> because you don't want to think about it someone else is having sex with. Yeah, dude, and I'm like, why do we have to make a big song and dance? You met someone, good on you. Okay, we've all got shit going on. We've all met people, man. We've all met people. Chill out. Dude, imagine that response. You get a message. Hey, I'd like to cordially invite you to a wedding, and you're like, look, fuckhead, we've, we've all, all got met shit going people. on. <laughs> we've all got things going on. We've all got our own love interests. I've obviously got my invisible friend, Stacy, my self-esteem. But I'd love it if you get angry. We've all got things going on. That's someone, the the person that gets angry about weddings wants love. That's maybe why I'm so angry. I'm jealous. (laughs) And I don't have the, that. That's why I'm lashing out at your ceremony and going, fuck off, show off, fucking dickhead, cliche picnic. The most distressed person is the one, uh, I love watching the people bursting into tears at weddings because you realise how desperate they are for a connection. Do you know that? You know the. Do you know? You know when they're just howling, crying, and it's just obviously something they want so much. Because I feel nothing really. I'm like, whatever. The cake sucks. This is so boring. Man, that's what I think about. That's what I think about when I see people. See, like when you see a movie or a video of someone at their kid's funeral, and they're howling and they're crying, and it's like, man, you just want your fucking kid back. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? You know the. That's why they're sad. They just want their kid. Dude, you do feel bad because you do see it a lot with um 
when people have kids as well, you see a lot of people in tears and they're obviously struggling to conceive or there's an issue, but they're all so obviously affected. Or, dude, or, or, or the difference between uh, people pre-kid and then post-kid. Like someone, someone pre-kid, someone like myself, watch whatever, not really be affected, but then someone yeah. who has had children, uh, the, a scene in a film uh, where something bad happens to a kid oh. or or a kid's reunited and it's just fucking waterworks because the those evil those evil brain chemicals have, oh. have tricked you into loving. Dude, and because because of their privilege, they're like, oh, I, ever since I had kids, I can't watch. I'm like, whatever, dude, harden the fuck up. I like <laughs> kidnapping movies. They rule. <laughs> fucking break, dude. I can't watch child pornography ever since I had kids. I just think about what if it was my kid? I feel really bad. I'm I'm egging them on. I'm going, as long as they're not molested, it's awesome. I'll come and re- reconvene when they're 18. Man, why do you draw the line there, dude? Dude, it's just because you've got kids, man. That's why you that's why that's why you, you know can't watch other children being molested. If you've been hurt, you don't feel it because you hear it all the parents, like because they've had such a bubble life. They're like, I didn't know how you, you mate, until you've had kids, you'll never feel like I feel. You'll never see like I see. And I'm like, what a fucking wanker in your bubble life. I'm like, fucking hell, dude. You barely even put your toe in the water of human feelings. You're telling me that a baby brought you this and they're always patronizing everyone. You'll never you'll never cry like you do once you've got two kids, my bye. But dude, that, but like, they are but they are right, man. Because Bullshit. No, no, they are right. Nothing because- changed for me, dude. Fuck all change. <laughs> you just said you wouldn't watch kids be molested anymore. So I think no, something has I, fucking changed, man. I didn't man. say that. I said that um I, I don't think that I got any further engagement into my feelings or my human experience by having kids. <laughs> I think that's fucking shit. I've got more that I could lose. I could lose. I worry about losing them now because there's extra feelings there. But I think it's so rude to tell someone without kids that they don't know how to feel. I agree with that. But I think when they say, um, uh, when they talk about how once you have kids, you, you know what it is? I think that's a bad expression of what they're actually trying to describe. Because yeah. what they're actually trying to describe is, uh, uh, like, before I had kids, uh, I didn't, I didn't have this concept of love that was so great yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's, it's actually ruined. Uh, it's, it's distorted my lens through which I perceive things. And now it's, I'm fucked because what's, what happened has happened to them is they've had kids. Their, their brain has released all those chemicals and yeah, created yeah. all those pathways and fucked them up uh, because it needs to. So they love and protect their children. Yeah. But now because of that, Things that would have never set them off in the past now set them off. Dude. They're weak pussies. And this is what this is what I was saying to you. Anyone that's gone through trauma has already found that level of compassion in their life. It's the privileged bubble cunts that are suddenly like, I never felt like this about now I just cry when I hear a war and, and, and suffering in the world. And I'm like, just now that I've got kids, I feel it. The kid that woke up on Christmas and no parent was there felt like that when he was eight. He's always felt like that. Yeah. He's always implicitly felt compassion for humanity. He's always been engaged yeah. and he's always felt a sense of love and, and feeling for other people. Before 
I had children. I had no real concept of suffering. But now I can imagine what if they suffered and that feels bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, like, before it was all about me and I was selfish and I went on ski trips and I a private school privileged piece of shit. Now I've actually managed to feel for someone else what might... It's actually so white, privileged, despicable to say, like, for the, when I had kids for the first time, my narcissism, it wasn't just about me. I haven't been living just for me in my privileged bullshit bubble. I'm like, you disgusting fucking pig of a human being. You disgusting fucking pig to tell me that you basically didn't care about anything but yourself until you were given an example that showed you how to be a human by having a having something that you cared about more than yourself. I'm, I'm saying to you, like someone, someone that has been forced to confront life with pain cares about other people always. They always did. Yeah, but then all, they, they, won't, um, like they won't get upset just because they watch a movie where a kid's kidnapped. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying they won't, but I'm saying it's early inception of it. Mm. Someone that's had a tough life has gratitude. Which means they are they they're appreciative of small things that are given them and small moments to live in the now, and th- these privileged fuckers, first time they've ever been in the now is when they've got a baby, and the thing is, it's always it's it's corrupted immediately because they think it's mini me a chance to succeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God, I can try again. <laughs> Dude, and they selfishly think maybe I'll make Australia netball team now with this little one. <laughs> She looks strong. She's little, but she's look. She looks strong already. And it quickly, it quickly corrupts. Mini me will do everything I didn't do. <laughs> but anyway, I do find it fucking rude <laughs> to go and tell someone that you know more about the human experience because you got a baby. That's the bit that I think is uh, they're inaccurately describing their own feelings like they're trying to express how monumentous it has been uh, a shift for them but instead it comes out like you'll never understand because we can because like we were talking about before it's very difficult like the only way people can really think is in relative terms yeah yeah you have to be standing on someone else's neck to feel tall dude and that's what they, they, they say like you literally have never experienced a feeling like this i'm like guess what the boy that it felt his stepdad put a cigarette on the back of his neck has experienced intense feelings. <laughs> and, and he goes, when my mum was released from prison and we realised we were going back in with her, guess what? That felt as intense as your baby experience. <laughs> when we got to be reunited with my mum after five years of me being in foster homes, that was quite intense. Yeah, I actually felt something so intense that I have developed a disassociative coping strategy. So until your fucking kid... Makes you disassociate (laughs) until you love your kid so much that you literally have to disassociate of your. Yes, yes. Yes, that's the point. The love for your children is so, man, the love for my children is so traumatic. I I can't experience it. I disassociate every time they walk into a room. I can't fucking hand. Dude, I'm an absent father because. I disassociate. I love my children too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too different. It's too traumatic for me to be around them. Dude, I can't <laughs> risk it. And it's, it's, it's that moment where they come and tell you and go, welcome to the human condition, you fucking, you surface dweller. I think it's pretty sick that the brain tricks you 
it has this whole mechanism set up for you to have kids and then as soon as you do it's like okay fucking go 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 shoot out the shoot out the uh shoot out the empathy the empathy hormones yeah. make some pathways this cunt needs to care it rewires you completely it's so good how crazy is it to view that as a simulation who developed the game right that they want it everyone's talking about kumbaya and we all hug hand and hold hands but they basically withdraw they withhold empathy until it's to to uh, procreate and then look after your own spawn mm. like that empathy should have been available for random people do you know the world would be a much better place you should have that empathy when you look on news.com and you see yeah. the palestinian children in those hospitals that israel's been bombing dude and that's what i'm saying to you it's been designed to be nasty because they withhold that chemical until it's self-serving and then they'll release it because you'll look after your own progeny but i'm like that Chemical existed all the time and you could have just been a nicer person. But I'm saying the game the game designer had that little sachet and only released it when it benefits you. Well, yeah, if you if you felt that way the whole time, dude, how would you kill? How would you be able to you gotta go out there and kill, man? Yeah, yeah. You gotta get out there you gotta rape, take, steal and kill, motherfucker. That, that's what I'm saying to you. So then when you you judge yourself at the end of the day for your morality and you think that it was an empathy empathy bag that was withheld from you because you never had children, that sucks because you die as a selfish fuck and you're like, hey, God, you know that little sachet at the back that helps me protect kids? <laughs> I know I didn't have kids, but how about you release that for my cat? I'm a cat lady. You can also just be an empathetic person without having the children, and that's totally fine. It's just, uh, it is crazy to uh, go through and be like, yeah, I had kids and then just everything changed, man. My fucking life, I was a bit of a, I was a bit lost before yeah. and like, oh, you know, I didn't have my priorities straight, but then I had kids and I really got it together. It's like, no, man, you had kids and then your brain did exactly what it's wired to do <laughs> and it, re yeah. it rewired itself so you wouldn't eat, fuck or kill your kids. So, the, so there is a truth in what they're saying because that, that, that kindness that's released in you of trying to look after someone over and above yourself mm. gets released when you have kids and then you get to die saying how good a person you were because you did everything yeah, for that boy. But no. And the person, the person <laughs> with a barren vagina that can't have a child never gets to see that side of herself. But, you know, no, no, no. I, th I, think, that person, I think that person who has that kind of struggle or is that connected? Usually, usually it probably is quite, um, quite empathetic uh, without having yeah. to having needing the kids to trigger. I think you can definitely, you can achieve it without the kids. Those, the people, the people who find it fucking crazy that uh, at the change pre kid and post kid, those people, maybe they couldn't have uh, got, they might not have done it, but yeah, but then you realize all that you are is just all that you experienced. And, so say you're a rich, privileged asshole that went private school and nothing happened. You never get to know yourself. It's impossible. So then you die and you just think, fuck, I felt empty and worthless and I'm not very kind and I'm selfish. And you're like, yeah, the world screwed you, dude. You didn't get experiences to learn the lessons. You didn't get to go to the right courses. You got enrolled in self-indulgence and wankery. Like a suffering privilege almost. Yeah, and then, and then it's like, you poor bastard. You never not 
you know, you didn't get to feel what it's like on Christmas morning when no one's there. <laughs> so you never got to know how deep and true you are as a person and how much you can rally to help your other f- siblings and to make that still a special day and to find something in yourself to push through. And so then you, you go, well, how can you judge yourself for your life? Because you just are a victim to your circumstance. You yeah. are what you were, you were surrounded by. I think you're right with the victim of circumstance thing. Because if you... If you don't have those struggles, you say you never get to know yourself, but is there, is there actually anything to know? Or like, no, but there's nothing. Is the act of learning about yourself the thing that creates the self that you are exploring? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then it's all like the, the outcomes are knowable. Like you can behaviorize that the buttons are released. The, you know, the... the when you have kids looking after and, and, you know, like lowering yourself and then looking up is triggered. But what I'm saying to you is all the outcomes are already knowable. The, the way the, 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 the human responds to various patterns of input mm. is knowable. So I'm like, why are we running this fucking simulation over and over again? I can, I can tell you if you give me X, Y, Z, it equals, you know, like the formulas are all predictable. Mm. No, it's not even that random down here. And then I'm like, this whole thing's pointless. It's not random. It's fu- it's fucking. It's not random at all, man. Everyone thinks they're very special. Everyone's very, very special. But dude, and God's up there saying like he's got an ant farm, and he goes, if you put ants in water, they drown. And I'm like, how many thousands years and millions of years do you need to demonstrate that ants under stress will? behave self-serving and someone that's neglected will start to get bored i'm like yeah we get it fuckheads you do all the chemical wiring we all get it like we're going to react a certain way you could have flipped it and then you've obviously got serial killers that it's wired the wrong way and then they hate themselves and i'm like yeah that's because you miswired them you fucked them the poor bastards they got (laughs) what they felt like the love of hugging a child by stabbing someone in an alleyway and then i'm like you the fucker that wired them wrong (laughs) you know if they had a better wiring they wouldn't fucking have been driven to do that so i'm like yeah great you demonstrated that a guy that feels love by killing will kill so what the fuck's the point of this shit have you seen um have you seen like uh i think it's called conversation coding coding um in therapy no so what they uh, what they do for a lot of talk therapy um, after fucking decades of research is they ha- they're they're able to code conversations um, for I I'm, I know about this in relation to personality disorders I think yeah they have they have coded conversations it's basically it's basically that people are so uh, so predictable and they react in such predictable ways that they have entire models of what a conversation uh, with somebody who suffers from a personality disorder looks like. Oh, I love this. When they're making progress. So when they're making progress, the client client therapist relation or conversation will go like this. It will be like EA106 is what the therapist will say, which will be something like, uh, so how 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 did you deal with that? And then the patient yeah. will respond with uh, B six four zero three, and it's like and it's something. It's a it's a coded uh, phrase or uh, or term or whatever that that sh- that that expresses something that they've modeled to uh, to to mean that they're making progress. This means that AI 
can bring all human beings to equilibrium because what it could do is just run all the variables and explain to the privileged boy about compassion and this and that and everything they'd say. So you can eventually go into a brain formatter that will regulate you to nirvana because what it will do is just run every 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 input you say, it'll do E6, E5, E7, like chess, and bring you into the checkmate position. So effectively, you, wouldn't, you won't have a psychiatrist. It doesn't matter about the, the reads. It's the 40,000 feet, right? Coming to know thyself. And a, basically, an AI guide will be able to untangle all the thoughts to bring the Rubik's Cube into equilibrium. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? If you got E6, E10. Yeah, yeah. You're, like, you're, you're not... Your problems are so, uh, are so standard and ubiquitous and... Predictable. Predictable that... Your, what, however, fucking all the infinite words and phrases and things that you could possibly say and ways you could respond to questions yeah, yeah. has been modeled and coded so we can tell if you're making progress in your therapy session. And when they're trying to confuse you and go, no, you don't understand. It was the way she spoke to me. And you're like, I do understand. E6 to position four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? And you're like, E6 to position four. No, no, but it's, it's the tone of it. And they're always talking down to me. E6 position four. We're trying to build up your self-worth, duckhead. It's E6. And then, but then what happens if AI, eventually it's insane to think you'd have a psycho- psychologist. You would obviously have AI just running algorithms and pulling all the chess pieces into the right moves by, by giving explaining uh, philosophy to you and untangling the net of shit ideas that you managed through avoiding work and being lazy and being despicable and self-interest and all the fucking um, obscure thoughts that managed to manifest in your net of a mind. Mm. They can unwind it all. But then I'm like, what's the point of it all? Everyone's found Nirvana. And then I'm like, blow the whole place up. It's a fucking completed experiment. I mean, that should be the point of it all though, right? Is so that we can all find Nirvana. That would be great. Yeah, but... That would be but sick. Th- th- this is what I said to the taxi driver. <laughs> Nirvana... Dude, this taxi driver, this poor guy. <laughs> Nirvana... Nirvana... Is pain and suffering because the I more know, you... Mr. Will, thank you so much for teaching me about Nirvana. <laughs> Did you know what's been amazing? It's once I became aware of my rating on Uber. 33. I had 33 one-star views. And in the last four weeks since I've been aware of it, I've gone to 38. I've got five new ones. Oh, wait, well, you've, you've had five more one-star reviews. I've had statistical... Um, it's changed out of the standard deviation. There's five against 33 historically over years, it's now become a real problem. Like, now I'm getting fuckloads. Now that See, I'm aware... this is the problem, man. Some people, they, they, some people find out that they, their conversations are coded and very predictable, and they're like, well, then, fuck you, I'm putting a fork in the toaster. How's about that? How about I put a fork Dude. in the toaster? <laughs> and that's actually what's happening. Because I now know that they grade me, I'm way over the top thankful. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, sir, for the journey. You powerful man. Do you know what I mean? And they know that they think I'm mocking them. Thank you. The way you drove was impeccable. Uh, an Uber driver amongst Uber drivers. A king amongst peasants. Oh, I man. love you, sir. Let me lick your toes. Kiss your toes. Thank you for this great safe passage from the CBD to suburbia. Sprawl. It's like a... 
your, your Schrodinger's over passenger, man. And I'm using big language. Thank you, kind sir, for safe passage from CBD to suburban sprawl. <laughs> Once again, you have delivered on your... Uh, on your mission, Zelda. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck's wrong with this cart? One star. Uh, actually, actually, Zelda's the princess, man. Link is the is the player. But, dude, you're like, it's, uh, what's it called? Is it fucking, um, uh, like, observation? Imagine if the, the Uber driver ever said at the end, unfortunately, your princess is in another castle. <laughs> <laughs> Just had, like, bad, um, you know, end of games? That's what I'd do if I did Uber driver. I'd, you know the final messages in games? I'd say that to people randomly. <laughs> Thank you, Zelda, for your your quest to find the golden slipper. It's observer effect. You're suffering from observer effect. You, 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 Schrodinger's, you learned about the experiment. <laughs> and that is that is uh changed the way that you interact <laughs> yeah yeah dude uh, so i realize i'm a rat in an experiment and now i'm putting my dick in the sampling machine going bam 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 and i'm aware of what's going on and i'm waving to them through the glass i see you i see you and it's gone all crazy i'm hitting the red buttons i'm hitting the blue buttons yeah you've <laughs> you found out that you're a rat in the maze and now you're trying to now you're trying to give little kisses to the person right the maze experiment yeah, and, now, and they're like well this rat's broken we're gonna get a new rat <laughs> they're suspicious of this rat the rat keeps waving to us <laughs> i'm doing so well in this experiment <laughs> hey guys am i doing okay have i found the cheese faster than the, than than jeff because i've actually been working on the hey guys, <laughs> guys just want to clarify just want to clarify are we meant to be eating the cheese or not eating the cheese i just want to work out what the <laughs> What's the hypothesis? I've been, uh, I've been max, I've been min-maxing uh, the way I get through the maze. So hopefully, I'm, I'm doing well. Have my time's gone up, guys. I'd really oh, like to be. Oh shit! <laughs> shit! So we're not meant to be having the cocaine. Fuck! I, I didn't <laughs> feel like it. I thought I was pleasing you. I'm sorry, dude. I'm gonna have to make a move. I've got to get going. Yeah. Well, let's. You do. You see, you got to one, man. No, dude. I've got to go because I've, um, I, I'm not getting anything done. Picks of the week. What? Tell me what? Tell me what TG six is at at the moment. Oh, it's like seventy cents, man. No, no, it will have bounced back during our chat. No, it's seventy three cents. Okay, that's amazing. It's almost exactly the same. And what's uh, TPD? Nothing. Probably down. <laughs> yeah, to dude. 16. Nothing, man. Probably gone lower. Eighteen cents. Yeah, it's slightly lower. <laughs> it's and then what about STX? That well, that matches it. What yeah. about Hazer? Fifty nine. How's Hazer, dude? Fifty nine. Yeah. The middle of the year, middle of November, it was meant to come online. Now I'm no statistician, but it's the seventeenth of November, <laughs> which is definitely past the middle. Yeah, man. Someone told me that um, that TPG was going to be doubling in like I don't know, maybe like three days from when I bought well, it, actually, and it's been about four hundred days. There's actually no chance of it ever doubling now. The best scenario is about thirty, forty cents max. That yeah, I got I got that. Uh, what was it? There was a, there was a, what do they, what do they fucking send out? Like an investor. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get you to agree. But you yeah. know, the thing is, cause people will say to you, well, you told me it could get to a dollar. I'm like, yeah, not after five clap raises. It's fucking never getting there yeah. now because they've drained the bath, dude. The, the peak capacity has been reduced forever by dilution. So the scenario doesn't unfold. Interest rates are fucking through the roof. 
the macro environment doesn't bend for it. It was possible to get to 50 cents when we had zero interest and no capital raises, but while those uh, hamsters lined their nest and put more fucking feed or whatever they sit on, sawdust, what do these fucking pigs live on? But dude, I want to get out of this because when I look at the views and I'm like, I need to, I can't just keep talking to these people. What do you mean? Well, I want to get food and look outside and yell at people. What I'm saying is, is, is there's only so much time we can give to this fucking pod, dude. I'm spent <laughs> emotionally now. <laughs> I thought you were stoic, man. No, no, I'm just like, I've got this fucking, I've got to go because I've got to get some shit sorted yeah, well, for my yeah, kids. Yeah, let's, let's wrap and up. I'm doing, this, I'm doing this goddamn um, beer fest tonight, which means it's outdoors to fucking drunks and I have to do two sets. And last time I did a set there, a guy, an old guy, an elderly guy said, you're not funny. And I, we ended up having a, a skirmish and I go, you know, I'm a real person, dude. You sent a video of this, didn't you? Yeah, and I said, I can come down and fuck you up. You sent me a video of this and then you were like, please delete that. Never show that to anybody. Dude, no, because what happened, what happened is this elderly guy said to me, he basically goes, I go, you know, I'm a real person. I could come over there and just fuck you up. Mm. And he, he did basically Conor McGregor, you'll do nothing. You'll do nothing. Yeah, and then you, yeah, and then you did. And I was like, so he basically basted me. He said, you'll do nothing. Yeah. You said, I'll come over there and fuck you up. He said, no, you won't. And he like, well, he's baiting me now. <laughs> no, he <laughs> this said, is a classic said, bait. I threatened him and he rebu- refuted me. <laughs> Dude, I literally said, I can come over there and, and re- this is real life. Yeah. I said, I have no obligation to this thing. You're being rude to me. I don't accept that. I could come and like bash you. Yeah, a threat. And he goes, no, you wouldn't. And then a refute. And I said, no. I said, what I will tell you is I will come over there if you do not shut up, and he, he said, you'll do nothing. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> guess what, mate? I will do something. Threat, and you will. rebuttal, threat, rebuttal, action. Yeah, but what have I done wrong? He told me I wouldn't do anything. I think the issue is, like, I get, I, I'm on your side because it's annoying and he should be punched. Well, he provoked me. Yeah, well, no, hold on, but that's where I'm saying. Yes, he did, the, because no, he, I'm he saying, I'm saying that, like, the, the, uh, the very... Uh, the very objective reality of this is that you were in the wrong as soon as you threatened him. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, because guess what? Yeah, he was rude were. in interrupting my <laughs> show. I know, but that doesn't warrant the threat. So guess what? That's bad behaviour. And guess what I do to bad behaviour? I fucking smack it in the head. <laughs> because I like respect and you should respect other human beings. And guess what? The law of the jungle is... Guess what, fuckhead? We're both... Got our egos tied up in this. You're humiliating me, and I'm telling you, if you don't stop humiliating me, I will lash out and hit you. I know you're old and frail, and I might break your heart, but I said <laughs> you need to lower your ego. That man, that's a beautiful, uh, that's a beautiful statement to make, and then also literally a beautiful statement. Like it's it's both it's both quite nice. Yeah. Like I'll break your heart figuratively, and also maybe it'll stop if I punch you in the head. Yeah, but what I'm explaining to you is that. If, if he, as a human being, is aware that I'm in a vulnerable position because I'm in front of 200 people 
and I've I am exposed. He's in the dark, so I've got more at stake, and he's using that opportunity to embarrass me <laughs> from a weakened position. When, when I'm in a weakened position, if he said that face-to-face in the bar, I'd headbutt him straight away. But mm. he knows that he's got witnesses. So he uses it from that point to leverage himself because he's a weak man and he uses that that being concealed in the darkness to try elevate himself. I warn him and say, I, I see what you're doing. You threatened him, yeah. From the safety of the dark, you are you are trying to find power. Okay? He, man, and this I, guy sounds like a kind of cool Batman. <laughs> and I say to you, you, you exploit this scenario where I'm exposed... <laughs> To try to try get power, I will fuck you up. And then he says, "Guess what? I know they're witnesses here, so I'll push you to the brink of your sanity because I want to feel I want to feel big in this moment." Well, guess what? I ne- couldn't have looked smaller when I shoved him on the couch. But <laughs> it's fucking. He was the provocateur because what he came to that show looking to feel important. Do you? How do you feel about? As did I. How do you feel about him making you the NPC? He treated you like the NPC in this interaction. Yeah, yeah, but guess what? If there hadn't been witnesses there, I would have beat him to a pole. Yeah, but there were, so you didn't. And so so he, he got to be the playable character, and then you were the NPC. Yeah, yeah, but guess, and guess just what? Like you guess giving, and just like you flipping off that black guy in your car, he's, you, start, <laughs> you started to approach him, <laughs> and he freaked out a bit. Guess what I know? What? Guess what I know is there's trauma in being attacked so that <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a bubble and in my memory now, I'm the assailant. And in his memory, when he's at Coles and he hears a random banging, it could be me. So he, he has a, he's a harsher <laughs> life now because he's the coward that shouts from the darkness. And now no, guess man. what happens? He's the, he's the guardian in the darkness. He's what the city needs. Guess what happens for weeks? Guess what happened for weeks? When he goes to hang out the laundry at night and he hears something in the bush, it could be me. It's changed his whole reality. It could be that man that chased him and pushed him on the chair. When he wakes up abruptly at night and goes, oh, maybe he's in the house. And I have, I have lasting PTSD on him forever. And that is my legacy, performing in his head forever now. It's, it seems like you're, you might be the one who's holding on. A bit more, but then, but but I'm to be fair, to be fair, you're the one who was going back tonight, so you have to go back to the scene of the crime that you committed. I got booked again, and um, I learnt nothing from it. The only thing, <laughs> and the thing, I didn't, I didn't assault him because there was a kindness in me because he was you an old. Him. He might, you did push him, yeah, but on film, yeah, but I held him, I held him with my other hand and stopped <laughs> him from actually falling. You threatened him, and then you pushed him, which I think is like legally just an assault. Yeah, but I pushed him with my left hand and I'm right handed. <laughs> and I also used my right hand to prevent his chair from falling so he didn't get a head trauma. <laughs> so I was kind. <laughs> Even in that, I was aware of lawsuits. And I was like, I definitely don't want him to hit his head because you, that can fuck someone up. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll finish it up. I just had, a, uh, uh, I had, some, I had some finishing things. I think we'll wrap it up real nice. No, dude, I, I literally can't do it because I, I've got to do this last 30 minutes of trading and we can just split this into two apps. Yeah, we'll have to do it next time, or I can record on Monday. I just had a I re- literally can't. I had a real ni- I, well, you, you, I mean, you did spend fifteen minutes talking about how you pushed that man. That's fine. I know, but man, I've just got to go because I want to do the last trading, and I've got to go now. The last, okay. Well, then I'll, let me finish on this one thing because I was holding on to it for ages ago. Let's save this one for the beautiful next app. I uh, imagine you are uh, you're just some nice girl in the UK 
and then you meet some Australian guy and you're swept up by the accent and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the, this is the international romance I always dreamt of. And then he flies you over there and it's just the swag man from the Walsing Matilda song. That is the, that's the slumming it, but you don't know it. Like that's the- <laughs> that is the, the exact same to tie in what we were saying about going to the Irish, uh, the gypsy, and it's yeah. a meth addict, and you think it's an accent. Yeah, you are, you're in a caravan. You're just you're, you're some guy who lives in a tent with an Australian accent. Dude, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same way when um, where you go and you have snails in France, but from a truck stop, and you hate them. <laughs> or, you're told yeah. that pies are amazing in Australia and you buy them from a 7-Eleven. And you're like, pies are fucking... This is a prison pie. What the fuck? It can kill me. And you're like, no one eats those. And it's the exact same biggest issue with meeting your partner is you need to get a, a private detective to investigate their family lineage right back to their um, convict ancestry. Because my biggest mistake, you've got to meet the mom, the dad the extended family to know the genetics. You can't take a fucking risk. I mean, at the very least, you need a tour guide. You need a local guide who, when you meet, uh, when you meet a fucking caravan person, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. This is, this is a chav. You got to stop. <laughs> this, was, this was like a Bucks party I, w- I went to and the, the bride's father was, uh, got bl- blackout drunk and he, he, we egged him on, I egged him on, he, um, to piss over the neighbour's fence and he was standing on a plastic chair with his dick out, pissing over the fence into the neighbour's property <laughs> and guess what? My, my mate's dad was egging him on and I realised it's a match made in heaven because, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there was no judgement. The father-in-law and the in-law were connecting <laughs> over a depraved act and I'm like, this is going to last. And it has. It has. That's they couldn't beautiful. be fucking happier. Really but there, you have those moments where you see sort of upper echelon with um, Mrs. Bouquet where they meet the lower echelon scumbags and you're like, how can it ever work? And uh, you, know, you know when you see the families, worlds are colliding and you see the dad let out a big fart at the prison <laughs> opening? And everyone's like, oh, Jeff, for fuck's sake. And the, everyone's trying to, ah, it's all right. Oh, shit. And you're like, this is fucking doomed. I had that in Canada, man. Like, w- w- one night I'd, uh, you'd end up, yeah, one night I'd end up in, like, the, in the dormitory of some fucking private university girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the next night I'm in the attic of a drug addict raver. I, I mean, I remember one night watching a prostitute injecting methamphetamine. It was terrifying. Dude, and that's, <laughs> How did I that's get actually, here? What the fuck? I thought these were normal people. It's the accent, man. It disguises it. And they thought you were Croc Dundee. That's what's so well, crazy. They thought I was. They thought I was. They thought I was Murray from Flight of the Concords. <laughs> that's what's so crazy with um, the comedians because the smarter ones. People are minds blown because they imagine you eating your own shit in the Australian <laughs> desert. So when Hannah Gadsby comes out and waxes lyrical, they're like, what the fuck? One of these bin gypsies is quite sophisticated at thinking. What the fuck's going on? I can't imagine a bin gypsy talking about, um, you know, sexuality. So it, there's, there's a humour in it. 
because it's insane for a baby to say a big word. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? If they knew the truth, the number of Australians who also freak out when they see a big fucking spider, it would ruin yeah. the illusion. <laughs> oh, dude, and then, <laughs> no one's handling snakes, man. You see a snake, you're like, snake, back inside, there's a fucking snake. What the fuck? That's what happens a lot with uh, the comedians because they're jarring private school fucks. But when they go over there, it's very counterintuitive to the stereotypical Australian. So it feels like Croc Dundee are po- doing poems. And they, they don't realise, you know what I mean? Like there's an insight in breaking the stereotype. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're like, wow. You surprise and, uh, and excite. You surprise them and you startle them with the punchlines because they, they actually expect you to pull your dick out and urinate into your own mouth and go like, we're <laughs> hydrating in the bush. I'm Bear grills. I've been bitten by a snake and now I'll eat my own feces to survive another hour in the wilderness. When the person who is pissing into their own mouth uh, pulls, pulls your child out of the way of an oncoming bus, it's shocking. It's amazing. Dude, it's a bit like the shoey phenomenon because it's not that big a thing, but Frenchie latched onto it and a few other people pushed it. And now every American's going, all right, I'll do the bloody shoey. I'm like, (laughs) not that big a thing, really. I mean, I have seen it done, but it's not like it's become the new fucking Vegemite sandwich. And I'm like, large chunks of us couldn't give a fuck about this weird bogan tradition. Also, it is just, it is quite gross. Don't do it. Why would you do that? It just belittles the Australian experience because every show... Everyone knows where it ends up. Well, well, and you can see Bert looking around or whoever's on stage and going, well, uh, all right, go on, you pull my leg. Shoo-wee, but in shoo-wee. a way, in a way, that is really the Australian experience. Something, some weird, uh, yeah, some weird little thing that's been latched onto and is now part of the culture. Dude, and imagine drinking, how sad you are. Drinking beer out of a fucking shoe. To think that the crowd... This is how hurdy they are, that they don't just go, oh, you know what? I'm so fucking sick of hearing about this fucking shoey. Let Gillis just do his set for fuck's sake. No, no, no. They smiled and gave me a veggie munch sandwich. Do you know they have to fucking intrude on and push the fucking stereotype because they're so one-dimensional and pathetic? <laughs> this is how dumb these people... You could one-up it. If you did a shoey... And then slapped your own face with the sole of the shoe left and right. And you're like, the new shoey, the power slap, the power shoey. People are going like, fuck yeah, dude, power slew. Gillis has done a power shoey. What you do is you drink from the thing and then you slap both cheeks with the sole of the shoe. It's a power shoey. And they're like, innovator. And then they, would they accept you one-upping the tradition and going, power shoey. Slap your face, yeah. and then you rub it on your dicky. You rub your dicky on the shoelaces. Power showy, dude. They would love it. They would absolutely love it, man. Power showy would take off. And an eighteen-month tour, uh, by by the last date, man, you'd be eating a roast chicken out of your own fucking underpants. Dude, this is this is this is what I do. This is where people goes do a shoey, and I go, "G'day, mates. I'll show you how we do them in the US." And then I pull down my pants, shit into the shoe with the beer. Skull that and then slap my own face and go, 
The dishes are done, motherfucker. <laughs> Shooing power, slap shooing. <laughs> shit sandwich. She just smiled and gave me a shit sandwich. People would be like, ah! You'd see hens explode and go like, Australia! Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Fucking crazy. That's enough for a week, I reckon. That's great, man. It's perfect. Leveraging your home. Margin personal loans. Hedged by put contracts. Holding 50.